The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on, on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. Nice. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And that sound effect that you have heard along with that, that, that smooth bop that you just saw if you're watching the video version comes from no uh, none other than one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? I am coming to you from a remote location that is not quite in Brooklyn, so it's appropriate that... But also, but also, he represents BK to the fullest. Of course. So wherever he goes, Brooklyn's with him. And folks, you can find this here program um, on uh, the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Indeed, you can also find this here program on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Apple, um, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, folks, we got another week of new releases. Go figure. A lot of new releases this week. A lot of them. Yeah. It's kind of a deluge, almost. This is probably, right, this is probably the most full week of new releases we've had to date. It's true. This is true. So strap in while we give you uh, a ride down this week's uh, releases. Uh, and as we will do on this occasion, we're going to start off with our first book of the night. And that will be Amazing Spider-Man number 44. Right. Oh, so uh, just very quickly, this is uh, written by Nick Spencer with art by Kim Jacinta with Bruno Oliveira. All right. So, I mean, just very briefly, without spoiling too much, because it's kind of hard to spoil. <laughs> it really is. Um, I can describe this book as several dream sequences, including an apparent dream within a dream sequence that leaves the reader, including myself, really kind is. of confused as to what's happening. Uh, it's a very Inception-inspired story, um, but with no little, um, whatchamacallit, with no little top spinning. And um, uh, the Kindred and Sin Eater storyline seem to storylines seem to be ready to collide in the coming months. What do you have to say about this book, Roddy? 
yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said about it. Because going into it, it's like, all right, you see things happen. You see, you know, this, I guess Overdrive would be a D-list hero at this point. Uh, he's a superior foe. Yeah, that's still... That still makes that count even more. <laughs> I know, I know. Like even even off of them, so yeah. And he's basically recounting the story from his side of it, and that's where the senior stuff comes in. But you also, like uh, Agent Seventy says, said that you still kind of see shades of the kindred stuff, which that is still a silly name for um, a villain. But I suspect there's going to be, I suspect there's going to be a little bit more to it um, coming along. I- I agree. So, but then we end up going into like like uh, I just also said the whole dream within a dream thing, which also kind of made things a little hard to understand to 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 kind of understand. Not necessarily because like, you're like, okay, you're going along, it's like, okay, this is weird. How why is it going on here? You start to realize it's a dream, but it, it doesn't make the book any less kind of um, hard to read. But then you find out. Oh no! There's another dream sequence within a dream sequence. Dun dun dun! And it's right. like, uh, all right. So you just folded in, a folded in, a folded in the thing, and we we're just kind of there for the ride. And like I said, until you find out for sure that yep, that's what's going on. That kind of doesn't make this the whole the the easiest read to kind of uh to go through after a while. It's definitely going to play. Maybe not a linchpin role in uh, upcoming stories, but it's probably we're probably seeing hints of, as I mentioned, how these two storylines that have been promoted and teased over the last several uh, months and issues of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man are going to come together. I wanted to mention that there is a splash page on the last page that teases uh, that that kind of has a very Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse uh, feeling. Um, you know, it, it actually shows several spider characters. And I did have one question based off this if, uh, uh, before we move on to another book. Mm-hmm. It appears that um, unless this is supposed to be MJ. I believe so. Okay. Because I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be MJ or if it was supposed to be Madam Web. Right. And what I was going to ask is, has Julia Carpenter... I, I remember her having like a dirty blonde hair she color. She did, yeah. And I don't think she's right. ever changed it, so... Right. So I want to assume that that's supposed to be MJ, but I wasn't sure. Just based off of the image, I thought that might be Madame Webb. Yeah, and I could see where that would happen. But again, the, the, the other reason why... I feel a little bit more strongly that is MJ, although it could still be Madam Webb, and that's and that's pretty much how she's manifested herself. Like maybe she's changed her look to look more like MJ's, or maybe you know because awesome. you know because historically we've seen her as an older looking woman, like almost like an Aunt, Aunt May looking woman. You know. In a oh no, no, no! Remember they changed. They gave that's what I'm saying. Julie Carpenter, right? They right that's what I'm saying. But in terms of but in terms of the hair color, right. it's all about the hair color because True. if it's not. Right. If they gave her like blondish red, like a strawberry blonde or a blonde color, we would have jumped to uh, Julia Carpenter. Right. But because it's a redhead, it makes you think automatically that that's uh, Mary Jane. So I, you know, I speculated that it was Mary Jane. But because, like I said, because of the Spider-Verse imagery that's evoked by that last page, that last last page. It made me think. I wonder if that's Julia Carpenter. So I figured I'd ask and like kind of um, 
take your temperature on that and see if uh, see what you thought. Yeah, like I said, and, uh, and I guess uh, to, to finish my point on that one, yeah, the, the only reason why I kind of I felt so strongly about the fact that it's MJ is because of that conversation that Peter was kind of thought he was having with himself that ended up being something that you know wasn't the case. But agreed, agreed. Yeah, so that was kind of lends itself to be like, okay, that's even with what uh, Kindred said at the end of it, it was like, okay, well. There you go. That's that. But then you kind of wonder, it's like, well, how, how and or why is she even having this like this? You know, like how mm-hmm. is this? And I, I'm sure we'll probably find that out like next issue or something like that. So, but yeah, I was kind of with you. I was like, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed kind of obvious that it was MJ, but at the same time, it could have very well been because I was like, well, she wasn't necessarily, as far as I remember y'all saying, she wasn't like directly that tied into Spider-Verse to where any of that would have played in, you know? Right, like I said, it was just a. It felt like the, there. It was a, an image of superpowered spiders. That's what made me think that's not MJ, or right. it shouldn't, or maybe not isn't MJ. You know. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll find out next issue. All right. So that being the case, we will move on to probably a potential click of the week for me uh, in Avengers number thirty-four. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, so after the combination of, of, of Moon Knight kind of uh, gathering his the tools that he needed to do whatever we didn't even know what he was going to do, we see the fruition of all of that in this one, uh, in this issue, including some weird use of Moon Knight's own utilities and a well-known hammer. <laughs> that he is that he has just taken possession of that has also had a little bit of a um a retcon. retcon on yeah so thanks yeah. to the last issue so basically yeah moonlight so basically moon night has most of the stuff he needs with the exception of one little power that he's to get some from somewhere that we haven't seen or that he wants to get from somewhere somebody who he's uh got held up in the spot but we also see how it came to be that Moon Knight started down the road to getting these items that he's been uh, that he's been getting from other his uh, his colleagues, and uh, that going into you know seeing as I said, well, my notes don't matter on that one because it, it's a quote that doesn't really make any sense even if I said it. <laughs> but he sees basically sees another side of Konshu. Uh, in this, and what happens to this, and then we just kind of cut to yeah, him, um, um, him trying to get this last piece of the what he needs from T'Challa, and T'Challa's like, I, I do like this part for a fact. It was like T'Challa's like, look, you can bring anybody in here you want to. <laughs> I'm not giving up this power. Bring me your god, and that part was like pretty good. Um, but we also see the. Another figure that we have seen in the past few months slash year, uh, Mephisto kind of come back into play. And we start to see, just like in Spider-Book, the kind of combination of a couple of different uh, storylines, it seems, with whatever is going on with Mephisto. At least one of the storylines in the Avengers that is um, related to Mephisto mm-hmm. and uh, his relation and what's, whatever his plan is going to be down the road. So... And it seems like we might have gotten a 
is not a, while it not a finality to a part of that situation, we do see a an event happened happens that who knows what's going to come of it um, going forward. Could be something bigger. Could be some of the same. Could be a nope. You don't. We don't even know. So I don't know what else right. you have to say about this uh, issue. Oh, gotcha. except for, I was going to say yeah, there was like shades of like going into the one part, shades of uh, Days of Future Past, aka or as the as the book kind of puts it, the Age of Kongshu, right vibes on here. So I was like, okay, is this going to be something that's going to kind of have some, you know, when things get settled back in, is this something that's going to reverberate too, or is it just going to be like a two issue Days of Future Past type situation? Yeah, or at least a three or four issue right. uh, uh, storyline. I wanted to mention that this is where, without us actually, without us actually realizing it, this is Jason Aaron weaving the Avengers one million BC into this Conchu slash Moon Knight story. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back because all of the powers, all of the elemental powers that come from those one million those avengers of one million bc come in but for except for the phoenix force mm-hmm. and i wonder if that's going to prove to be important or not we don't know yet so yeah. you know it's a, probably going to come in right i i feel like this is a super well constructed story and it also has a tie-in to did you i think you just mentioned mephisto's current status yes. too right so it's interesting that that actually ties in into this issue. You know, it's a, a dangling plot thread that has been touched on in several Marvel books. Um, but you kind of knew that having Ghost Rider and the Supernatural on this team that isn't always part of the kind of main Avengers team, um, having that particular character has already led to some more Supernatural type stories and you know, it, it it sort of plays logically that they would touch upon the Mephisto dangling plot threads that are basically sprinkled through the entire Marvel universe. Right. So, including um, actually including actual uh, the Ghost Rider book with Johnny Blaze, who's of course the last time I read it had gone to Vegas to kind of to to do pretty much a similar thing that Moon Knight did. Possibly for a similar effect, we don't know actually. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I would imagine that's probably also would be a thing that's probably going to come in at some point because I can't. I mean, and granted, I haven't read the last couple of issues of Ghost Rider, so I don't know what it. You know, what was the end result after what I remember seeing? It's it's still developing. I'll gotcha. put it that way. It is still developing, but in any event. Uh, I give Aaron a lot of credit in weaving the story and giving us really no idea that this was going to involve at least an aspect of the Avengers 1 million BC. And now we're going to see um, in the tease at the end of the book, I believe it tells us that we're going to see a connection between the intertwined histories of Kanchu and the star brand. That's another, that's the other, um, Avengers of, uh, 1 million BC, um, uh, uh, character that, uh, may play a role. It's one, you know, one of the two, like really, uh, super powered. Um, I mean, they're all powerful. All those 1 million BC Avengers are all, you know, stupendously powerful, mm-hmm. but, Phoenix, the Phoenix Force and Starbrand are kind of like a level up on a lot of them. 
So uh, those are the ones that it, it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward. But uh, the tease for Avengers number 35 explicitly states we're going to see how Conchu and the star brand have uh, interconnected histories. Right. Yeah, like like you said, I, I definitely give uh, Aaron and, and company credit for kind of going all together. But we knew, even going into this volume, like okay, clearly Jason Aaron's going going throwing some throwing a whole bunch of stuff together, and at some point they're going to pay off of one way or the other and come together. Like even with the Mephisto stuff, and even our had already having already tied the Mephisto stuff into the one million BC stuff a few issues back. Like, okay, so we already got that thread and then that stuff and then whatever's going to be going on with the Squadron Supreme, you know, Coulson right. thing, that's the the only part that hasn't really shown its face uh, connecting the two. Right. But then this but stuff the, with the Moonlight and also being covered up. Exactly, so it sounds like everything, so it sound like exactly. everything is pretty much coming up Mephisto, you know, in in the grander, grander stream of, uh, of this Avengers volume. Right. And to see and to see, you know, Moon Knight play a role the way he is in this storyline, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I promise you guys. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> certain. All um, right. So, so with that, we can. What you, what you got? All right. As President Bartlett would ask. What's next? Uh, I want to talk about Empire and I'm not going to spoil anything. Because I know Roddy Cat will eventually get to this. This is the first issue of the main cross. Oh, it's the it's the first issue of the main miniseries that has several crossover tie-ins that will be coming up this week and in weeks to follow. And while it's probably lost a lot of steam due to uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic and the shutdown of shipping and having lost several potential tie in books because of um, you know because of uh, the pencils down edict you know as a result of um, uh, uh, of the, uh, the the pandemic and possibly you know, swords spies, of swords as I keep joking right. or X of swords right um, or ten of swords it's ten, ten of swords. swords yes and I'll get to that today. Um, Despite all that, it's still, to me, a very exciting crossover. And I have to tell you that in the first of several Al Ewing uh, uh, um, books this week, this is not a sole Al Ewing production. This is Al Ewing and Dan Slott. But it's still something that Al Ewing had a big hand in. And I wanted to start with saying that Al Ewing and Dan Slott complement each other very well. There is a twist in this book that is extremely easy to spot. Unfortunately so, if you tend to read solicitations to order your books in advance for your pull list. However, the story and twist still pay off in a big way. I'm genuinely excited to read this, but I just don't know if it is catching on with the fandom. So... Um, my hope is that this is going to be one of those sleeper event books that you know people will come back and say, "Hey, that was really well done." Yeah, I can I, actually roll into Fantastic Four Twenty One. I'll let you uh, speak on this, but uh, the next book I can just uh, literally roll right into it because it's uh, a direct tie. Okay, yeah that that would have been that would be the logical place to go on this one because the only other place to go is another Al Ewing book which we'll probably do after right. that. 
But uh, I was just going to say real quick that, yeah, I, we're we're fans of uh, Al Ewing around these parts here. Uh, I can safely say for, you know, at least uh, eight to seven and myself, I'm not sure about the other two two cats as much. I know they're, they have enjoyed some Al Ewing stuff in the past, I believe. But so knowing that he has this, um, which he's had kind of a part of it, he's had parts of events in the past, but I think this is pretty much him, you know, with, like I said, with the exist, like you said, with the, the exist of that, uh, assist from Dan Slott, which yeah, that whole which thing you said about them complimenting each other is 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 pretty spot on. And not even having read this book, but if you've read uh, like some of Slot's recent stuff, even going to, even going back into the Spider Man stuff, and then reading some probably reading this and reading Ewing stuff, like yeah, you can kind of see the connection. Like, you can kind of see them kind of playing well with each other. Like- so. Yeah, playing off each other very mm-hmm. well. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Saying I'm looking forward to reading Empire. Uh, you know, uh, when I get to it, probably later on to, or tonight or more. But so yeah, if you want to go ahead and go into uh, Fantasy Four, hit it. Sure, sure. I'll be very brief on this because I don't want to spoil this. Uh, as I mentioned, Roddy Cat may end up reading this very soon, as in this yep. weekend. Um, Fantastic Four number 21 is a tie-in slash direct sequel to Empire number one. While it may not be quote-unquote required reading, I believe it is. And we see that the two children rescued by the FF in the Zero issues, which I believe Roddy Cat read or not. Nope. Ugh. Spoil that. Sorry about that. Don't don't even worry about it. Right. But you'll see it. And and, and, so uh, we'll likely have a larger part to play going forward. So that's the the broadest way I can describe this. This is a Dan Slott book, uh, written book. Uh, Sean Isaacs and Paco Medino uh, deliver bang-up art on this. It's really just a clean book. It's a lot of fun to read. There is a callback to and a shout-out to and a direct reference to the Walt Simonson, Art Adams, um, new Fantastic Four book, and you see it on the cover because Wolverine and Spider-Man are on the cover. It's a direct reference to the, the Art Adams uh, penciled Walt Simons and story um, involving the new Fantastic Four of uh, the Hulk, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. So those are cool. That's a that was a, a uh, it was cool that that was just literally directly referenced in the book, and it's you know it bring it brought back a lot of memories of getting those books and just being amazed at just how fun that crossover was. That little it's not even a crossover; it's just a little mini like three issue arc, and it was just a lot of fun. Right, especially if you're a fan of Art Adams art. There you go. I don't know too many people who are not so. Um... But yeah, I, like having not read this this issue, you know, I, there's not really much I can say about it. But also, except for the fact that I'm one, I'm looking forward to it, and I kind of feel like, like you said, this is probably more required reason, reading than not, especially knowing that you know Slot and Al um, Ewing are kind of working so closely on Agreed. Empire, and the fact that we already know that the Avengers and Fantastic Four are, are both you know tied to this thing in in their different ways, so. It, it makes Agreed. a whole lot of sense, right? So it's likely, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm probably, you know, it doesn't say, you know, it's in the checklist, obviously, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of reading, in terms of the reading list, but, uh, you know, a lot of people 
uh, think that you know the required reading is the main miniseries, but I but as Roddy Cat mentioned, uh, the Fantastic Four. I think at the very at the very least, the regular Fantastic Four title that is tying into the event will probably be uh, required reading to see to, to to get a fuller picture of the events of the book right. of the story. Right, and as we've seen with if you've followed any of our past uh, event shows, uh, specifically in this case, like uh, Annihilation. Some of the tie-in books tend to be a little more direct tie-ins uh, to the core book and kind of necessary. Right. Especially going into it, as that case was. But that's, you know, that is what it is. So there are cases, I know we, we have definitely said in the past, like, yeah, all these tie-in books and they're halfway not even worth to read or, you know, worth getting into because they have, like, some sort of tangential, you know, uh, reason for tying in. And I would mm-hmm. imagine this one is not the case. So that being said, let's move on to the next book. And I guess uh, since we're on this hour doing train, we will go into Immortal Hulk number 35. All right. This is a book you read, right? It is. Go ahead. So this is pretty much after the events of last issue, which thankfully I have finally caught up, caught up on the last few issues uh, of a few days prior to this not even remember that this book was coming out, even though we had talked about it last week. Um, so Zimu, Zimu is pretty much been dealt with, or as we think, well, I guess, I guess we can safely say that that's the case for now. We don't know if he's going to come back or whether all of that was pretty much like, it feels like all of that was pretty much like, well, here we are getting from here to there and that whole leader stuff coming into and, and what happened with Rick Jones, which does kind of play a part uh, in this issue. Um, all of that seemingly has been kind of wrapped up for the time being. And then we get into, well, you know, after the events of last issue and what happened, uh, you know, with storming the Roxxon base, we see the, what the falling out of that and Roxxon's in, in not in good shape because of, you know, everything that came out of that. And the Hulk's, in people's good graces uh, at this point, we found out that uh, the old Savage Hulk is kind of back in, in the f- driver's seat. And there's a part of... Uh, so in the beginning, we pretty much get a part talking f- with... the Talking with, um, I guess that's Savage Hulk and Banner in the Mindscape part. And a big coffin-looking thing that shows up that is encased uh, Devil Hulk and some chains that neither one of that no one seems to know, you know, where it came from in his mindscape. But um, again, we will probably find out more about that pretty soon. Uh, but then Banner and Hulk start talking and Banner kind of works out some things with, uh, with, uh, with Savage Hulk. And uh, then we cut to like uh, Joe fix it, you know, who's, uh, who's talking to Doc, Doc, uh, Doc Samson. And then they talk about some things. And then we go into this, I guess, this thank you party for, for in this one town that the Hulk's been to. So I don't remember reading that issue where the Hulk goes into the town um, and then the Avengers show up. Because I'm pretty sure that's what that's uh, that's what that's uh, that's early on. Yeah, it's early on in the Immortal Hulk run. That's like 30 issues ago because this right. is 35. So that's very early on in the run. Right, so basically, Hulk gets this, uh, gets this, I guess, thank you party, you know, for, for, you know, it was obviously a political move on their their, their part, but little did they know something else is behind the scenes that you know n- neither one of them could have guessed. 
But being that the Hulks got people's good graces, they just, you know decided to do this and it's Salvage Hulk and, and as opposed to Devil Hulk or any of the other ones that is the one you know that is that people's in people's good graces that ends up being a bad thing because there are some shenanigans uh, on the sideline with uh, let's say Rick Jones, even though we know yeah. for a fact that. Rick Jones is not in the driver's seat of his body at this point. Correct. This is a revelation that comes forth at the end of the last several issues, Mm -hmm. but specifically the last two issues. So uh, it's very important that uh, if you want to get on board with Immortal Hulk, you find a good jumping on point. I do not believe this is a good jumping on point. Yeah, no. And I would go so far to say, like, Immortal Hulk has been pretty good from the jump. Yes, 35 issues in, but I'd say it's worth going back to the beginning. I believe so too. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, you know, there's plenty to digest here. There's plenty of uh, interpersonal conflicts here that go back to the very beginning. There's still very much uh, issues between Betty and Bruce Banner, Betty Ross and, and Bruce Banner. Um, you know, as as uh, Roddy Cat mentioned, there. You know, Doc Samson is. Uh, continues to play a strong role in this book. So uh, it's just a very, very interesting direction now that the Zemnu, the Titan um, storyline is kind of wrapped. Uh, I just wanted to mention that, you know, despite the fact that Roxxon was literally the corporate entity, the corporate entity behind War of the Realms, an entire event crossover that was actually really well done despite being behind that they were still well off and in the world's good graces and it took an event in the incredible hulk the immortal hulk uh series to uh have uh the rocks on stock tank to the point where they're they may be uh getting ready to declare bankruptcy and i believe dario agar is dead so or something we're not entirely sure because yeah, we, right. we yeah we see him in a certain state at the end of last issue, but it's still not very clear if that's a final thing or something else is going to come out of that. So it's just interesting to see that this is where you know this is this was the comic in which the uh, the next chapter of the story of Roxxon would be told. Mm-hmm. You know, so soon on the heels of uh, of War of the Realms, that was literally the event that capped off last year. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, and it's been probably a good, what, well, seven months, definitely, because Water, Water, Water uh, Realms kind of ended at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. I feel like that was kind of the thing that kind of came up, you know, when they do those um, those retreats or whatever. It's like, all right, so we got this event coming up and we got rocks on and there's like anybody got anything going on? And, and I believe yeah, Al Ewing was a part of that event also. So I feel like mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the things like, hey, can I do something with this since, you know, because I got Mortal Hulk going on here. Let me let me do something with rocks on and I'll just go ahead and sure. clean them up, you know, at some point. Sure. I feel sure, like that sure. could have been that, that could have been the, the conversations that that was had. At the time, who knows? But yeah, to, to see that go from that to this is like, huh, it's just like that. But who's to say? Like, we've seen AIM and Hydra kind of go away for a while and, you know, and, you know, get lost to the public conscious, the common public conscious, and then come back here and there. Who's to say Roxanne and Pork probably won't end up being the same way? 
Right. Uh, that being the case, I guess that was pretty much it. Because the only other thing we could say is like, yeah, we like I said, the, the the thing in the beginning with Banner and the Hulks and more on his DID um, and him wrestling, not actually literally with himself, but pretty much uh, mentally with himself um, and his various uh, iterations of himself are is still kind of ongoing. Now, and we also do know that, hey, this book is going to end in, at, um, in issue 50. So we still got a good ways to go before oh, we get we've got it a year. Yeah, we've got a year to go before we see what, uh, you know, where this book, you know, how this book is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we can move on to, but yeah, definitely read uh, Immortal Hulk. It's pretty great. Um, I mean, if you are into the Hulk, even if you're not into the Hulk and kind of like the more like, um, it's not necessarily a horror book. In fact, they've kind of gone away from a little bit of that in, in the last few issues, but you can still see some striking scenes in the art, especially in, in these last few. But if you if you like that kind of thriller, suspenseful kind of horror type thing, uh, Immortal Hulk is a good read. Like I said, fun to, fun to jump. So, with that, we will go to the other Al Ewing book of the week. Uh, that you definitely have read, and I have also Guardians of the Galaxy number four. I will safely say that I vaguely remember what happened uh, in this book. I do remember the one big thing that happened, like either last issue or the issue before that. I believe I think it was the issue before that because the issue last, the last issue was like them kind of dealing with what what, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, just to you know, just to uh, describe you know, the kind of status quo in very broad strokes, mm-hmm. the guardians of the galaxy team has essentially split into two factions. And we have a faction that is kind of doing guardians mercenary work. And now we have a faction that has been sent against that faction by a third party, which is just wacky. It's great. It's, it's, it's a great kind of like broad, uh, you know, it, it's a great, uh, you know, like space fan, space spanning story because they're all over the place. This Prince of Power character, is that supposed to be uh, He-Man or is that supposed to be, um, uh, what's his name? Crave, uh, no, Kill Raven. That's what I kind of wondered because I was like, all right. And first I was thinking, I was like, wait, did Hercules like split? And this is just like his, his earlier you know, an, an earlier version of his ego just happened to coming back out in some kind of way. But I was like, nah, they probably, I feel like they would probably would have, they would, would have uh, said something about that before now because Hercules is now in this book. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And that, was a, that was a pleasant reminder. I'll be honest. I kind of forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So that's, so when I read that, I was like, huh, okay, that's weird. So I imagine those two, those two folks are going to run into each other. You know, you gotta love are you in for doing stuff like this? It was like just these little unexpected nods that'll come in, uh, and even in general with Marvel in the last few years. But still, you know, Air, Air, um, Ewing's kind of just kind of just like I'm just gonna throw some references here and there and and make something make some use of it. But yeah, like I just having said, the the two um, you know, we hit the 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 two factions of Guardians have split, and this is also kind of a callback to earlier volumes of Guardians because a similar thing tends to happen <laughs> during the course of the Guardians run. It's like, yep, they're all together first and then something happens and then they kind of split off and either a new team comes in or something like this happens and there's just a division 
and they end up running into each other and probably causing a new fact, a new setup of the team to happen on the outside of whatever run in. Possibly, right. that, that could be something different in this case, but who knows? Right. I mean, uh, this is Al Ewing taking the cinematic guardians and basically tearing them apart. Yep. And throwing in lots of cosmic Marvel characters that we may not have seen all that much of. Um, you know, uh, you know, throw in Hercules, 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 throw in uh, several different versions and iterations of Drax the Destroyer yeah. that all of a sudden are becoming relevant in this, you know, in, in, in recent volumes of Guardians and now this book. And finally, we even get um, uh, whatchamacallit, a callback to some Defenders stuff. Mm hmm. You know, there's literally some defenders, and I'm talking about like '80s era defenders. Like we're talking about, I forget what the the character's full name is. I'm talking about the gargoyle defenders. Remember mm-hmm. Isaac something or other? Yes. Um, the gargoyle and Manhunter, like the dude with the bandana over his eye, and and um, Isaac Stevens, I think his name, his real name was gargoyle. Man, I'm. <laughs> you know, I'm digging through the the archives in the in the back of the file cabinet in the brain here, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if those I, I I bet you those books are on, or some of them are probably on Marvel Netflix. Yeah, especially so. with like the Marvel with the the Netflix Defenders, even though that's not the the, the same group. I, I feel like they probably had to put some of that stuff on there. Right. So listen, Juan Cabal's art on this is top top notch. Yep. He delivers this entire book. There's so much, there's so many little nooks and crannies that he fills with just, you know, stupendous storytelling and references, like, you know, callbacks. Yep. You know, there's a, there's a, a what's wrong call? I, I pre, what, something that I presume came from um, early, like, Captain Marvel appearances where the, 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 the clanging of the Kree negabands would result in Rick Jones and, and Captain Marvel exchanging places. Something like that happens in this issue, and it's literally a callback. There's a note in the, in the art saying it's after um, – it's after – it looks like uh, Bob uh, – Gil Kane. Not Bob Kane, but Gil Kane. Right. Yeah, indeed. And it's like, okay, you see that, and it's like, you if you know anything about Marvel, Captain Marvel, it's like, okay, yeah, that was a long-running thing of that. But this is kind of a new wrinkle on that, and this is also... Well, cause, because Novar, or Novar is not related to Marvel. Or is he? I can't remember. We know... I don't yeah, but regardless, he's another he's another in uh, another creature just like, but he's also pretty OP, if you think about it, especially with what he ends up doing. With the, what they... You know what they bring back up in this book about his power set. Mm-hmm. You know, but that being said, um, it was like, yeah. So you get you see that, and it's like, huh, that's an interesting wrinkle. You didn't you, you didn't think was going to happen at any time because you figured that was just with Marvel and the Nega Bands. But it's like, no, this, there you go. It's like Novar kind of got that, got kind of got that as a thing, but. Just going to using it in a different way, or using it the same way, but just kind of uh, not losing himself in the process, I guess that right. we know of anyway. Uh, anywho, but the rest of the the rest of the issue, and also I, the, I guess my only other point is like it's also good seeing I, Moon Knight, a uh, Moon not Moon Knight, Moon Dragon is kind of a character that I've kind of liked 
you know, despite her personality in uh, in various iterations, even going back to like classic Avengers runs where she shows up every now and then, you know, it, it's kind of good her to see in here with the Guardians, if not, you know, anywhere at, at this point. And of course, obviously, you know, Drax being the OG Drax kind of coming back into play. Uh, as right. well as still cinematic drags kind of still being kind of out there somewhere like okay yeah they're so they're just bringing all of this back back uh back around honestly it's just it's just enjoyable yes. i have to say this was a really fun read it's a little out there and it definitely draws in a lot of reference and connection to marvel continuity that newer readers may not be that familiar with right but you can definitely see Al Ewing playing with lots of the toys in the sandbox in this and having a lot of fun doing it. Right. And I noticed that I don't think there was any call for it in this issue, but there's been lack of like footloats in in the last few issues of like things in general. Because like right. we know some of the callbacks that, that come up, but we know them because we've read them. But, you know, they have Marvel's had been pretty good for the last couple of years have been like, hey, see. Well, at least probably the last year, I guess. See XYZ book or whatever. And that still still happens. But like I said, the last few months have kind of been a little weird and you don't see that. And I don't remember if there anything in this book that would necessarily call for it, but could have happened. Right. What I was going to say is it definitely happened in that FF book I was talking about, that slot written FF book. Okay. But I have a feeling that at least in this book, they're using the story to help, you know, using exposition to explain a lot of those references that would require those little footnote callbacks to, uh, you know, referencing, you know, footnotes referencing other books. So hopefully that continues. uh, This is, you know, it's difficult for people who are looking for the cinematic version of the team to see this and follow this book but i think it's worth it i think it's well worth it for fans of that uh version of the team to pick this up i think so because i think al ewing is telling a strong story obviously it's been uh uh sideswiped by the pandemic you know there's been a long delay between issues two and three and three and four but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's still early. It's worth it for uh, for fans of the cinematic version of the team to pick this book up. I don't regret, you know, continuing um, following this, especially with Al Ewing uh, being in charge. Agreed. And with that, we can move on to. Uh, let's wait. Is there any other Al Ewing books this week, or was that it? No, we covered all of them. Sweet. We covered Immortal Hulk, Guardians. We covered uh, Empire, and um, you know FF being kind, not you know being a slot book, but obviously being influenced by Empire. So right. I don't think there's any more Al Ewing this cool. week. Well, you know, hey, when you got a run, when you got a, a link in the chain, you gotta gotta follow that link, folks. So uh, with that, do you have another book that you want to throw out before we go to rapid fire? Because I really don't have that much left, and also uh, dirt books, dirt books. I can do everything else in rapid fire. Okay. Uh, that being the case, you want to spin? Want me to spin it up? Sure. All right, here we go. All right, we actually have books from everybody this week. We do, we do. Um, All right, I, 
I was about to say, you want to you want to do yours? Yeah, I'm going to get mine out because okay. I only got a couple left. So let's see, where are we? Actually, I think I only got one left. Now that I think about it, Teen Titans number forty three. Um, so Superboy pops in with concerns for Robin's future, you know, because Superboy is supposed to be in the thirty first century, but apparently he can come back and forth at will. Who even knew? Uh, Damien's being Damien, so that's you know, it is what it is. And I think I vaguely remember. Damien, I think Damien ends up going to the future and finding out a little bit of his um, future from that visit. But when Superboy comes back and says, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of concerned. We, you know, we we've seen what's going on in the future, so you know, I'm just concerned about you as a friend." Damien's like, "No, nah, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I know my future." And yada yada yada. Um, but then it just kind of goes into. The, the rest of the Teen Titans are still looking into the situation with uh, the, the killing of Brother Blood, and those signs seem to be going back to Damien, which leads the team into a run-in with Damien, Damien who had kind of gone off on his own to, to do whatever it was he was trying to, uh, whatever path he was setting down. Um... And basically, part of that path was being like, hey, my dad has instilled fear in Gotham, you know, with his tactics. So that's pretty much where he's at in, in this. And we even see a um, uh, an appearance by Batman in a page who basically goes into the manor and checks something out and kind of ponders what, um, what Damien is doing before it cuts back to the rest of the team kind of catching up with, with Damien and they're having a little kerfuffle and KGB shows up. Okay. Yeah. I just, sure. I'm like, and, uh, let's just say, um, Damien follows a, um, Star Trek. I mean, a sorry, Star Wars, um, tenant in that an arm needs to be cut off specifically the left arm. So that's the thing that happened at the end of this book. So I guess this is a kind of gentler Damien, who even knows. But regardless, while he's fighting the team and fighting KGBs at the same time, a thing happens and an arm lops off. And that's where we end the book. Uh, and that is it for me for Clicks of the Week, actually. Oh, that's a sound effect I should get. What's that? From an old uh, Looney Tunes cartoon. Hassan Chop! You know, lop, lop off. <laughs> Well, I, I was thinking, I was for, I was thinking you were for my Teen Titans, but that's you know. no Hassan Chow. Hassan, yes, <laughs> that's funny. I gotta find that. I gotta find that. All right, nice. Um, Dirt didn't read Teen Titans. Oh, no, he didn't. Okay, cool. You know what I was gonna say? It's actually not on HBO Max. Although, um, what's Opera Doc is on HBO that Max. Is, yeah, I ran through. I did, you must have did the same thing and just kind of ran through what they had of the Looney Tunes. Yeah. I was looking at what Absolutely. they had on there. I was like, oh, at least they have, uh, you know, Kill the Wabbit. But oh, no Hassan Chop. That would have been, that would have been just, a, that would have been terrible if they had done, if they had not put that on there. Like, there's a couple <laughs> of joints on there that's good. Like, and some, you know, some Roadrunner stuff and whatnot. But I think they, I want to say they do have that Roadrunner uh, Wally one with uh, the Batman wings. Right. I right, think. Right. But I'm not sure. Right. Okay. Anyway. Uh, let me run through. Uh, PCN underscore Dirt's books. He does have several books that he's read this week. And I uh, I don't think uh, Roddy Cat has made his way through Justice League number 49 yet, though, no, right? No, not yet. 
Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything because I don't think um, uh, Dirt's review is uh, detail is not story specific in the sense that it doesn't have details. But for Justice League 49, uh, PCN underscore Dirt is not a fan of this uh, current story arc. He hates this Justice League arc. Cy Spurrier, the writer, is trying so hard to have the League trip over their own feet. It's annoying. It feels like it was plotted by someone who never read any DC comics featuring these characters. I am I'm actually I'm pretty sure not that's not true in Cy Spurrier's case. And I feel like also I'm like what well, that sounds like with like is well, there no. a particular part that is not liked? Like Right. What I was gonna what I was gonna say is um, I'm probably more charitable in my perception of the book. I skim this book. I, I actually do want to go back and read it because I, you know, I'm, I'm a little put off by some of the characterizations, um, and I see where he's trying to go with this. You know, we've talked about this book for the last several weeks because I believe these books were in the can already during pandemic, so that's why they're coming out in rapid fire succession. Right. So yeah, and that's right. Yeah, because even last week we were talking about we were wondering if, like is this some sort of filler arc uh, before they get back into the doing because of everything that happened, or this is just what the progression was going to be, you know, right? Already, right. So you know, it's definitely a departure from the Snyder stuff that was going on, but it's def- it definitely has political overtones. You know, as I mentioned earlier, this story has like you know. Uh, what would happen, you know, you know, what happens when interventionist policies go astray or go wrong? And Wonder Woman does talk about that stuff um, in this book. So when you get get around to it, you'll see what I mean. So I, I sort of sympathize with what PCN underscore dirt saying. But at the same time, I think uh, it's a little bit, you know, I think it's definitely something that Spurrier is trying to um, he's trying to get a specific type of message across in the story. So I'll leave it at that. And, Next and up, I don't, is, well, before one more thing, uh, I, like I have not read this issue, and like I know uh, the last couple of issues seem whatever kind of way, but I don't know. It definitely makes uh, a specific character to look better, and that's not a bad thing. And it's not without saying that the Justice League don't have a problem with tripping over their own feet if certain things end up happening. So I kind of disagree with that part about it. Like and mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of want to see if, like you know what the, the league's not fallible. They're not perfect. They're not you know. They're far from it. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. So, you know, and if you don't get that, they're just from. right. And if you don't get that every now and then, that just seems to be boring. Um, mm-hmm. Like okay, they're always winning. They're always here, and the men always take front and center, and you know that kind of thing. And you know, it's kind of sad. Anyway, next up. Well, it's what I was going to say is it usually uh, ends with Batman figuring out the enemy's weakness exactly. after taking down all the powerful Justice League members. And that's kind of a typical Justice League story. So, you know, having the one, you know, unpowered superhero on the team uh, save every, you know, kind of godlike being in the in the in the DC universe is often a trope that in that's used in Justice League stories. Right. Trying to further that Batman agenda. Exactly. So <laughs> Roddy Kemp calls it a Batman agenda. Okay. So next up is uh, Aquaman number 61. Uh, PCN underscore Dirt has this to say. Aquaman has some of the greatest art ever this week. 
it's a mix of the pencils, inks, coloring, heck, maybe even the paper it's printed on. It's the type of art that makes you wonder if it even started as a drawing or if it was birthed onto a, onto the page. Okay, that's kind of effusive. Too bad the story doesn't hold up as highly. Oh, no. I was going Shots. to say something nice about what he just said, and then he, you know, that kind of went back Shots to where I thought it was going to go. Fired. Shots fired. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's the creative team on Aquaman? I believe it's still Kelly Sue DeConnick, and I'm not sure who the artist is. Mendoka? Okay. Sure it is. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Next up is Red Border number three. Red Border is an AWA slash upshot uh, comic book. This is Axel Alonzo's company. Uh, PCN underscore dirt says it's really fun. It's part Mexican mafia, part Texas chainsaw massacre. He really liked it. It's not quite click material, but it's very good. Next up is Gideon Falls number 23, and you'll be surprised to hear what Dirt has to say about this. He doesn't know what's going on in Gideon Falls anymore. He's actually hoping that there is a pause in the book for a talk-talk issue because he's actually lost. Unbelievable. Right. So for those that didn't know, um, Dirt has been a fan of this book in the early, in the beginnings of this book. And he, every time he's come up. Of this, yeah, he's been he's a champion pre- of this book. Exactly. It's been a every time he's come up. Right. He's, it's been a click of the week for him. We always presume that when it comes out, it's his click of the week. Pretty much. So for this being the case, like that's that was an interesting switch. So anyway. Definitely. Definitely. Next up, um, without spoiling too much of this book, because Roddy Cat does intend to read this, is Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Too Long a Sacrifice, number one. Uh, this is an IDW book. Star Trek DS9 was great, but mostly because it's nothing special. It's an Odo-centric murder mystery that plays like any other episode, and he loves the feel of the comfortable old shoes. It's not trying to do anything new and different. It's cozy and snug and familiar. Okay. And, yeah, uh, so, and I guess that's, uh, that tells me that there have been times on the actual show where, like, yeah, it falls into, well, Odo's got to solve a mystery, and here we go. I'm kind of upset that I did not read this book because I kind of wanted to, I definitely wanted to give some thoughts about it if I had any. And I wasn't sure whether it was, it was going to devolve into another, uh, I shouldn't say that, that's mean, but to kind of go into another crossover. Another, event. <laughs> I was about to say another Maquis invasion or uh, another well, Maquis no, 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 raid or something. No, not even that. It was going to go into another like crossover because, you know, the last few Star Trek books outside of the, the, the couple of ongoings that are. I think have restarted. Oh, they're like mirror universe stories and stuff like that. And all the other ones, yeah. So I guess this is a proper, just straight up D Space Nine story, as far as I know. But I will, uh, I will let y'all know when I read it. Yeah, I mean, you can tell shots fired from uh, Agent Seventy to all those Maquis stories. (laughs) God, those are so hard to watch sometimes. Oh no, those are great. Some of them were great. There were some were kind of slogs, but yeah. Oh. Gosh. Especially All like right. in the in the beginning going up into like the war and stuff like that. I was like, okay, yeah, go kind of the build up to it was like, all right, mm-hmm. they ended up being like, less right. of a factor. Enough with the Maquis people, they have tattoos, they got earrings and come on. Well, I mean nothing's majority. That's 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 probably why. It's, that's it wasn't because of the Maquis, it was just that a lot of them were Bajoran. No, but wasn't Chakotay a a, 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 a Maquis too? He also was too, but yeah, but um, but yeah, he, but he was also like um, you know, Native American, so right, 
that was that's that. true that's true but uh in any event i'm going to leave pcn underscore dirt's last book because it's actually his click of the week hmm. and i will cover uh no we will cover tim's book because we actually have a click of the week for him spoiler alert so last but not least i'm going to run through my kind of long list of books that i got through this week um starting with a book that actually came out last week and i didn't get to talk about it last week i kind of skimmed it didn't really read it that closely but i had a chance to read it this week and i'll tell you that adventure man number two it's a image book by uh, Matt Fraction and uh, Terry Dotson, the Dotsons, uh, Terry and um, what's his wife's name? I forget. Oh, that's a good question, I've, but I forgot. I, I, I sincerely apologize, but I know them as the family Dotson because they do uh, complimentary artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Adventure Man number two is uh, an, in, an intuitive but slow build from the first issue, which set up the modern day versions of the Doc Savage slash Johnny Quest Adventure Man team. We're still very early in the process of the setup of the story, but it seems the next issue, the third issue, will contain several revelations that are going to propel the story forward. Uh, next up is uh, go on, a, Rachel Dodson. Oh, Rachel Dotson. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Terry and Rachel Dotson. Thank you. Um, my apologies again to Rachel Dotson. I will probably have that name seared into my memory from now on. Uh, next up is Captain Marvel number 17. Now, this is a lark. I haven't been reading much of the Carol Core, um, you know, uh, uh, primary book uh, for a while. Um I'm actually not sure why I decided to read this. It, it actually, it's probably because it's got a cool cover. It's got a, I believe it's a, either Pepe La Raza or Marte, uh, and Marte Gracia or, or, um, or, uh, the other artist that does, um, ha, the Hawks box, the Hawks box theme. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a pretty strong cover, but, uh, this is, uh, it turned into an interesting story. It's a one and done, one and done story involving Carol's friends from past and present having a quote unquote game night that goes tremendously awry. It definitely transforms from like a classic Marvel poker night into something completely different involving an escape room. So um, it was just a fun read. The next issue of Captain Marvel is going to dive headlong into Empire. So it was, this was a nice little one and done story. I was going to ask next, you if Poker Night was going to be a thing because I do remember that coming up in uh, Incoming uh, mm-hmm. when when Carol and uh, Jessica Jones were talking. So I was kind of wondering if that was going to what's Captain. I might actually check this issue out. It's a one and done. It's it's got a, it's got a nice. It's got several nice characterizations and character interactions, you know, like very much diving into Carol's long kind of convoluted continuity, but more more so the recent continuity. So it really helps. Um, there's definitely one character that's involved in this. Um, and, I, you know, it's hard to spoil it because he's on the cover, Wolverine, mm. that has a, a kind of a weird extensive background with carol danvers 
you know, that you don't necessarily have to know, but it helps to know. Right, but it makes sense given that the, those those characters have tied in the past, and well, Wolverine and is Jessica long... Jones, yes. right? Exactly. No, not Jessica Jones. Jessica Drew, and you know some of the other characters you see in there are slightly of a more recent vintage. But uh, Monica Rambeau plays a, a role in this too, so oh. it's a it's an interesting read. Nice. Um, next up is Dark Knight's Death Metal number two, and you know what we play? Excellent. <laughs> Listen, the insanity continues on the world remade in the wake of Perpetua slowly destroying the remaining 52 Earths. Wonder Woman is in the lead role, convincing Batman that there is still some hope in fighting to restore everything. So there's plenty of stuff happening. This It's just wild and zany. It's insane. So real quick. Uh, so this Dark Knight's Death Metal pretty much takes after that Justice League storyline where it splits off into what we're, where we're now now and then um, that creative team that did Dark Knight's Metal is doing, continuing to do their thing. Yeah, Snyder and Capullo. Right. So, definitely, definitely. All right. Um, next up is scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The free comic book day issue that came out this week for X-Men. Free Comic Book Day 2020 X-Men number one. Ah, now I understand why the new story is called X, as in Ten of Swords. My personal hope is that the event works, since it ties into some of the events happening in Excalibur now, which may not be on everyone's radar. You know, I have to admit that that is, I mean, there's a lot of X-Books now coming out of Hawksbox. Now, I'm not reading all of them. You know, I I committed to buying the first issue of Hellions, but I don't know if I'm going to keep up with the book, to be honest, as a as a physical poll. And, you know, there's other X books that have come out of Hawks Pox that I'm just not feeling. Excalibur is kind of one of them, even though I kind of like Tinney Howard's um, approach with it being kind of a uh, um, uh, uh, what call it, a D&D type party. You know, and, and putting that, putting the, the 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 group dynamics together, that's her. That was her goal mm-hmm. in terms of the characters that she chose and and what uh, dynamics she would put them through. So, I, I like that, but it just hasn't captured my imagination and attention in the way that would keep me buying it every week. And I'm not the only one. That's the thing. I have you know anecdotal evidence from friends of mine who are kind of like. Is, is, is Excalibur going to be a required book with uh, Ten of Swords? And I, and I say it helps, but I'm willing to bet that the, uh, that the, the, the crossover is going to give people plenty of information without having to read the Excalibur books. But I'm, I'm worried about – I'm not worried about it, but I wonder now, especially seeing this free comic book day book. Right, I kind of wonder about that because, especially given as many parts as uh, X of Swords, aka Ten of Swords, is going to have in it, there's 24 that we know of. Right. I feel like now nah, X Comic was probably going to get, get get some play in there at some point. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but that being said, I, I kind of like Excalibur, even this iteration of it to, to a point. It is kind of it's weird at spots, but it it, it does its thing. Uh, there was something else I was going to say uh, about that. Oh, so Freak Out Movie for Stay, Stay, Stay Stuff has started to come out this week. So you can get to... And some of that is digital. Some of that you you got to stick to your local comic book shop. So 
be you know look out for that and they're steadily doing that stuff for the next couple of months so you can kind of pick mm-hmm. up some of this stuff at all right all right next up for me is giant size x-men magneto number one continuing the one shots that are coming out um this is a hickman pen book so it made me interested in picking it up uh it's an interesting story that sets that seems to set up a storyline for the white queen of all people moving forward this issue is is uh, centered upon uh an adventure had by magneto and imperious rex uh prince namor the submariner um and obviously namor and the white queen have a history um so there is, you know, there's definitely a reason why Namor is involved in this book um, and, and, and a reason for setting up something that the White Queen is doing or is going to be doing as part of maybe Ten of Swords moving forward. So I'm not sure yet. Um, or at least part of the Krakoa storyline. So we will see. Um, and last for me, after all these books, I've gone through a lot of them already. Let me just scroll through, make sure I didn't miss anything. I don't think so. The last book I will touch upon is Spider Woman number two. Now, I committed to read this book and I do not regret it because it's been fun. Um, it involves the origin of Jessica's powers. Um, they're directly involved in the story. And it's a very well-told story. There's lots of humor involved. Um, there's a little bit of gross-out stuff, too, going on. But it's just – it's proven to be uh, a well-told story. We're only in issue two. Uh, my biggest complaint is that I'm still not a fan of this suit design. I'm not. I'm just not. You have made I don't known. like the mask. You know, I don't like the mask. I don't like the chest design. It's just not – the original red design, you know, the original – chest design on the red suit was so iconic you know as much as the character is not iconic i found her suit to be iconic you know i know a lot of people listen she had her own animated series let's not you know yeah i was about to say you know jess has had her she's iconic i I would dare say especially i mean she has i was okay now i was about to say especially being the first spider woman but Correct, correct. I was going to say she 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 experienced a resurgence with New Avengers with Bendis. Bendis brought her back to the forefront, for better for worse. Yeah, you know, from some people's perspective, I know Roddy Cat's not the biggest fan of Mister Bendis, but uh, you definitely have to uh, credit Bendis with revitalizing Spider Woman in the Marvel Universe. True. So, um, also worth noting that this week's Strike Force, which uh, Jessica is also in. Um, I guess also that uh, Captain Marvel too, but she's wearing that last suit and not the new suit. Uh, okay, but, but on the cover that has all the the character pages, she's wearing a classic suit. Oh, okay, so it's kind of funny. Oh, uh, so you just flipped through the uh, the Strike Force issue? Yeah, I just kind of pimped through it because I knew she was in that. So, got it, got it, got it, got it. All right, yeah, I, I, I haven't read that in a while, so I didn't want to pick it up just yet. Um. Might read it as a back, you know, my as a you know as it starts to uh, accumulate um, issues. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're up to number six or seven in uh, Marvel Unlimited, so it'll make it a easy read. But we uh, we have these issues, so it's possibly not be because of probably because of COVID. If they're still doing that stuff on the timing timely that that they generally do, they probably could be right. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. So that is it for me, and we can go into clicks of the week. Clicks of the 
And as I mentioned earlier, we have clicks from everyone on the panel. Indeed, indeed. In fact, uh, we will start with the absent members of the panel. Um, uh, and I will say Tim's. Well, no, actually, no, no, no. Let's do darts, actually, since it is not something we've talked about before, if you want to go ahead and take that one. All right, so... PCN underscore dirts click of the week for this week is Nightwing number 72. In this book, the Joker makes his play for Nightwing, and it makes sense with everything that has happened in Nightwing since issue number 50. Dan Jurgens has been having a lot of fun with the book lately, and Dirt is glad that he used quarantine to catch up on the book. Joker War seems to really mean business in, with this book. And last issue, too, to be fair. And he is 100% more interested in the event as a result of the book. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it appears that, because I know I had was reading a little bit of Nightwing after he got shot. Uh, and they changed that because I was kind of curious. I knew it wasn't going to stick, but I figured, I was like, let's see how long they're going to play. And it sounded like they went a little while, but I think all of that may have been reversed at this point. So he's right. pretty much back in- to normal. No, I was about to say I don't think he's not. I don't think he's completely back to normal yet. I think he's still Rick Grayson, hmm. but um, they've gone for just about. I don't know if they did any double shipping months, but they are close to two years at this point. Right, they are close to two years because that happened in issue fifty, and we're up to seventy-two. Mm-hmm. So, but by accounts, like I said. For the most part, I'm not sure. Like I said, I haven't been keeping up with it lately, so I know from what I've seen, like. There are cases where I've seen it looks like he's almost back to normal. Sure. Um, but that being the case, um, I think I had something else to say about it, but I don't remember. But we will go on to Tim's pick of the week, which we have already talked about, and that being uh, Avengers number 34. He says, click of the week because Jason Aaron has me interested in Moon Knight. Um, sure, why not? Um, that works. Yeah. Le- now, so the last couple of years, actually, probably, actually, it's probably been a good two, three years since this last. No, it's been about a good two years since the last run, I think, at this point. Uh, and there were some people doing some good stuff with Moon Knight. You know. Oh I, yeah, starting I, with Warren Ellis. Exactly. Which I kind of well, yeah. <laughs> that being what it is, but still, um, yeah. There was some interesting well, that stuff. Mister Knight, that whole Mister Knight person. Exactly. Right. You know, we all were reading that. Oh, absolutely. And it was good stuff, you know, and even yeah. going into, even after Ellis left and other people put, put up the book, uh, with, the, with the exception of a certain point, because I think like Max Bemis might have taken over at the end, and I don't remember that that storyline kind of has some things kind of interesting in it, but, um, you know, I, I have still have yet to finish reading that, that part of it. But regardless, I, I'm kind of in agreement here with him, with the exception I was kind of already on board with uh, Moon Knight, which is because of what I just said. Um, yeah, Aaron's and company's kind of doing some things with, uh, especially with this issue and this uh, arc, and everything's starting to tie it back together with Mephisto and, uh, and and the one billion BC stuff. So we're starting to see where um, Jason Aaron's going to, you know. I don't. It's not over because there's still like one more big piece that is has not presented itself all the way. But what we've gotten so far is still pretty great, or you know, it's still pretty good for us. And we're finally kind of starting to see 
like I said, where a lot of that one million BC stuff hopefully will come into a bigger place and play. Um, even though we all groaned at it at the fact that that was a thing. But that being said, I think I'm going to actually agree with Tim and go with my pick click as uh, Avengers number 34. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, we did groan at well, um, Avengers 1 million BC because we didn't see how it might tie in. But now we start, we're starting to see at least some of how it ties into the current status, the current stories of the current Avengers roster. Right. So, and, and uh, we've already we already knew, especially coming out of uh, World of Realms and in Thor and other stuff that Aaron's done. It wasn't for lack of faith in Aaron's ability to craft a story. Right. Despite what he did with AVX and and, and Charles' marriage, but um, <laughs> that aside, you know, he, you know, he has he, he has had some clunkers in the past, but he is he is he is well balanced out of that stuff with his later stuff. Of course, what I was going to say is uh, Aaron's stuff seems to have built to a kind of crescendo, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had some, you know, he had some decent stuff in the X corner of the universe. You know, he had Wolverine and the X-Men. You know, he's had, he he had books in, you know, as, as, uh, as Roddy Cat mentioned, what was the crossover? Uh, AVX. Avengers. uh, AVX. Right. Was it A plus X or AVX? It was one or two. I think it was a, AVX. AVX. Yeah. Right. Uh, Avengers vs. Uh, X-Men. Yeah. Uh, wasn't, didn't Aaron also do uh, Original Sin? That was also him, sadly. We don't talk about Original Sin. <laughs> well, I mean, some of Original Sin, you know, carried forward, like, especially with Thor and with, yeah. um, with uh, whatchamacallit, with uh, Silk. Silk oh, totally. was part of Original Sin. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And we got Jane Foster Thor out of, out of that. So, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, it itself didn't bring a bring about some good stuff. I'm just saying it itself was not a good yeah, event. Yeah, it was a tough event to read. Yeah. But, you know, obviously we're dealing with Jason Aaron kind of hitting on all cylinders coming off of the massive epic Thor run, mm-hmm. you know, and more of the realms is kind of a, the, the crowning uh, achievement, you know, that actually paid off. It was actually an event that actually paid off that actually that kind of left everyone like, oh, that was actually pretty epic. Exactly. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, kudos to him on that. And it seems like he's really humming on Avengers right now. I'll be honest. Yeah, uh, he's still, you know, he's still playing the long game. So this might take a while, but it's been very entertaining. Um, it's been a very entertaining ride. Um, but I am not going to uh, third the votes for uh, Avengers 34. I am going to go with my click of the week, which is. Empire number one, the Al Ewing and Dan Slott team up with Valerio Skeedy on art. It is, as I said earlier, uh, just an epic space tale. The twist is, you know, right in front of you. You do not have to, you know, read tea leaves to figure it out. It's right there, but it's just so well executed. So it is. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next. It involves so many characters. It's one of those, um, you know, it has the, you know, but but with ser- with several characters taking lead roles, uh, the Avengers and FF are, are going to be teaming up and probably um, splitting up, you know, uh, having FF members on, you know, like uh, intermingled within the, the Avengers ranks. And um, we've also got a young Avengers uh, tie-in obviously here 
So I'm not sure where the rest of the Young Avengers are going to fall on the, uh, uh, you know, on on um, on whose side they're going to fall when it comes to the story. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I hope that uh, at the end of this event, it's going to end up being more of a sleeper event than some of the stuff that's been hyped up, like Ten of Swords. Right. Yeah, we do that's know. Yeah, we do know that I believe there's going to be a new, unless that got canceled too, not a thing, but there was supposed to be a new Warriors book coming out of Outlawed, I believe. Right. Outlawed, my understanding, I don't know if it's in the news or not, but Outlawed is still going to get published. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, we talked about it last week, I think it is in the, in the news story. So, yeah. Um, okay. But, so, but that is that is absolutely the case. But that being said, there's no... There's nothing that's saying that. I think they're just sticking to, from what I could tell, they're just sticking to Avengers Fantastic Four and that one Young Justice tie. Young Justice, sorry, Young Avengers tie is probably and a couple it. shots. Yeah, yeah, because like we know, like we know, um, there's one of them. The Wiccan's on on Strike Force, and, and there's no telling if that's going to come into play. I don't think any of those like those side Avengers books is going to like come into play on Empire. Because it kind of feels like they're just doing like a Avengers Fantastic Four, and it just so happens that Hawkling is involved. But I don't know. Right. So, right, there's a couple of uh, of, uh, of uh, limited series tie-ins, but uh, you know we'll see how you know what actually comes comes out. Right. So that being um, said, right, so that's cool. So I guess we can get into our first ad read of the night. Yep. All right, our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron. Blue Apron's meal delivery service. You get fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Man, I kind of wish we had a visual trans um transition for that like yeah we got the wipes and stuff but just something that's going to the news will be dope anyway uh we will start with the cinematic news like we do every week and starting off with uh falcon and winter soldier set videos show bucky and u.s agent in action so there's new footage from behind the scenes of the falcon and winter soldier featuring featuring bucky barnes and john walker uh, AKA US agent boo in a high adrenaline, adrenaline stunt scene. Um, there's a video apparently that uh, some, some folks uh, took being somewhere way off the set, but probably having a grainy photo. I mean, a great video. Actually, I don't know. Cameras are real good nowadays. So this is probably actually a good video. I haven't watched it, but regardless the, um, it says here that the, the footage is shot from a distance and there seems to be, um, a lot to take of it, even though it's a short video that's taken from far away. So, there you go. 
Speaking of, speaking of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, the official Disney Plus website now has landing pages for three upcoming Marvel Studios series. A series of screenshots showcase the official series pages for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki, respectively. Each page features a brief synopsis of the series alongside cast and crew. There are also tentative release dates. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which um, is has already resumed filming after COVID-19, uh, is most likely to debut uh, first, but we'll see. Uh, WandaVision is expected to release also in the fall, while Loki will debut next year in 2021. Right, and if you're watching the video, you can see the the pages on the video that uh, of what we're talking about. If not, hey, there's a show notes, folks. You can go check them out at your leisure. Next up, Agents of Shield drops the perfect Doctor Who reference, and I feel like there's without going too far into this um, article, I feel like it's uh, pretty much the only one you'll probably end up making. the The first one anybody almost makes, uh, and that. Um, basically, yes, there's a reference to something being bigger inside from what it sounds like. Okay. So, there you go. Onky. Next up. Alright, so there is unofficial art from a Marvel concept artist showing what Simu Liu could look like as Shang-Chi. Um, you know, he is cast as Shang-Chi. Uh, in the uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings that is set to uh, be part of Marvel Phase 4, Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase 4. So that is in the link here. And, uh, uh, you know, go on and take a look. Yeah. And again, if you're watching the video version of this, hey, you can see that said shot from the Instagram page in question. Uh, actually, how, what do you think about it? Have you, have you checked it out? Uh, it's, it's, granted, it's concept, yeah. It's concept art, so it's not like the yeah. It's different. Thing. It's different. It's not what I think of when I think of Shang Chi. But listen, I'll be happy to see the movie. So absolutely, and I know you and I probably both. I think his current uh, his current getup is probably could be the one to go to, right? Or um, actually, maybe maybe no, taking a step back from that and maybe going with the Avengers world stuff. Yes, you know that that kind of red and black jumpsuit, very streamlined. Yes. That would be pretty cool, I think. That would be a really simple but very elegant looking costume. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, you see the homage to the yellow and black Bruce Lee suit, but it's definitely Shang-Chi's suit. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that was um I don't know if it's in this article. It is not. I think somebody was it Jim Chung? Or someone else did like a a, a um a, a character sketch of uh, Shang-Chi and somebody in the comments like, yeah, you should pass that over directly to uh, the Marvel, the, you know, the Marvel movie folks. And, and I think it was, if it was Jim Trungo or somebody else, I can't remember, but I'm think I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, he was like, no, they got that well in hand. <laughs> basically is what he, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he sure. said. So. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but anyway, next up, Star Wars, the Bad Batch um, animated series coming to Disney+. Plus. So Hold yes. On. So I 
have a slight problem with this, which I will get to in a minute, but I'm not, not having a problem with the fact that more still Clone Wars stuff and more right. Dave Filoni and crew, uh, you know, coming out. Now, granted, I still haven't gotten to the part where the Bad Batch comes in, but my problem is... Oh. Yeah, well, so here's my problem. <laughs> when I saw the, the when I saw the season come into play and, they, and these folks were introduced... I was like, we already have a bad bench. It was like fives in all of them, even though, granted, half of them you know, are no longer with us. And I think there's only like two of them left at this point. But I'm like, we already had a bad batch. <laughs> like, that was a perfectly good crew before they pretty much got rid of them during the course of, or most of them during the course of uh, Clone Wars. Right. I mean, we th- that was the the original Bad Batch that we followed. This is the badder batch, apparently. So yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Um, and also on that, so uh, um, uh, one one of probably one of my favorite people. I don't know this person, but the the um, uh, Ocatrina on Twitter um, had a mock up, or she retweeted a mock up of somebody because you know how sometimes you hear a title like that and and it's like, oh, I thought I read that as something else, and the someone else she retweeted someone else saying that I most definitely thought that this said the bad beat. And was like, yes, finally, a Ventress-centered show. And I'm sitting here like, you know, I would like a Ventress-centered show. I would also like a um, a Soka show, but I think there, there may or may not be something that's in the works. But a Ventress mm-hmm. show, a, a Ventress Asage, Asage Ventress show would be pretty interesting. Because I don't know if they go any more into her in season seven, but I know they kind of just left her out there in the previous seasons from what I remember. Like she was basically a bounty hunter, and just kind of went on, went on off on her on her way unceremoniously. Because we definitely didn't see her in any of the movies, so that's something. But that's that was the thing I was just like I wanted to bring up because I'm like, yeah, that would be kind of cool. They probably wouldn't call it that, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. it was a cool thing. Next up, all right. So um, you know, it's hard to see, and this is a Yoda. Esque quote. It's hard to see the future of the Star Wars movies is, but uh, we do have some clues. We do know that a new Star Wars movie will be directed by Taika Waititi, but um, whether that project goes into cinemas, into the movie theaters, it's a British article. It has to be in uh, maybe into cinemas. (laughs) When it says into cinemas, um, in December 2022 is unknown. Despite the secrecy, we do know that uh, the immediate future Star Wars isn't set to be on the big screen, but on the small TV screen. With the success of The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars on Disney+, Plus, we're getting a barrage of new Star Wars shows, including The Bad Batch we just mentioned, a Kenobi series, and a Rogue One spinoff. There's even been talk of spinoffs from the spinoffs. So in no, there's no doubt that a lot of Star Wars content is coming our way on the small screen. Um, make sure to follow up with this article. Yeah, the the funny part about that was the the the, the Rogue One spinoff. I'm sitting here like that movie pretty much got finality, in for the most part, with the exception of it going into Episode Four. But still, <laughs> like yeah, there are probably things they could do, and they've definitely touched on this setting. It, uh, during the course of the Star Wars books proper, um, specifically Star Wars, you know, just the Star Wars book. Um, but I'm like, I can't imagine what else they could do with that. 
Like unless somebody else rise up and is like, yeah, we're doing it for these people. We're doing it for Jen and them. So we're going to be that, that folks. Anyway, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see if whether any of this is even coming along. No, as far as I know, no mention of the Ahsoka stuff or whatnot, but who knows. Next up, the Mandalorian's Giancarlo Exposito uh, says that the MCU is on his wish list, quote unquote. And I don't know why I just did the actual air quotes like y'all can see me right now, but you can't. Um, Walking out is coming to the MCU. I know, right? That would be, I'm slightly not surprised that it's not happened yet, but also like, why hasn't it happened yet? Um, It's just the right role. You know, yeah. sometimes it's just the right role. I'm mm. personally glad that he hasn't been hijacked by any of the Netflix shows. I mean, yeah, on one part of me is like kind of glad that this happened because it's like because I feel like the MCU's pretty much been a a field day of just like, hey, let's let popular actor just get in and get a spot and get all his money. Um, but there are certain people who you know who probably would be right for it and that hasn't yet. You know, they've had ten years to have people kind of. You know, get them, get them banks. Giancarlo needs to get this bank. By the way, this was he was uh, doing an interview for the the video game that he's doing, uh, Far Cry Six, which is where this comes up. But I think he was speaking to yeah, he was speaking to Entertainment Tonight on this one. Uh, he says he shared that he wants to work with those guys. I put it out there all the time. And part of me is kind of kind of was lightweight. Is he just trying to get this bag, which I, I, ain't, I ain't mad at him for. But you know. Because there have been a lot of people kind of going out and saying, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind being the MCU. That thing, right checks. Um, <laughs> without actually saying that. But anyway, Exposito's face is often attached to fan castings of Marvel movies, which is actually true, ranging from Magneto to Doctor Doom. Uh, he says again, I haven't created any of those rumors, but I worked years ago with Louis S- D. Esposito, who is one of the guys at Marvel. Uh, and then this is when he says, uh, what I do is fantastic. I want to do something enduring with them. I think the Marvel world would likely be the next step for me. Uh, I have my wish list, and I'll still look to do that. Excuse me. But y'all know Giancarlo Exposito, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul for, for most of you folks. The Mandalorian, also most notably. But most of us, like Agent Seven says, knows him for a little Spike Lee movie called... Um, uh, well, he's been in several Spike Lee joints. This so. is actually true, but School Days is the one I'm thinking of with Bugging Out, which was your reference mm-hmm. earlier. So, you know, um, but um, you know, he was also in Do the Right Thing. So, yeah, um, wait, he was a Bugging Out and Do the Right Thing. Sorry, that's I, I was gonna say I didn't want to jump all over you. On yeah, that. yeah, no, like, no, 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 ah, no. That's right what because that's why I paused. So I was like, wait, I'm mixing this up, and I, and I went with it anyway. But he was also in School Days. Yes. So. But what yeah, I was yeah, like, as you said, he's been a lot of stick scars, so um, spikely stuff. My personal fan casting for him is uh, Norman Osborn. I've actually seen that someone else has mentioned that he uh, could uh, absolutely do Norman Osborn. Norman has never been, you know, you know, you always wonder about Norman's hair. It's like, come on, Norman's got that, <laughs> got right. that crazy wave. This true, you know. You right. wonder, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, you know, completely uh, Caucasian, you know, to have. <laughs> you know, he's got to have some some reason for the wave. Absolutely. Um, and have you seen that the trailer? So the trailer for Far Cry Six is out, and he's so he's playing the bad guy in Far Far Cry Six. Um, he's basically playing a dictator of a, I'm assuming a third world kind of company, uh, maybe um, Latin comp- um, country, but uh, definitely Latin company country. So, and he kind of comes off. He has a little monologue in here. He kind of comes off a certain way, not 
it is kind of sort of menacing because he can do menacing. You know, the the brother's got some chops, so he's got range, as we could say. Definitely, so, definitely, definitely. So, but if Listen, you watch that I could Far see Cry was that? I could see him doing Gus Fring as Norman Osborn. That's why. That's why when I think of that, I'm like, that is Norman Osborn to a T. Mm-hmm. You know, not- and he's old enough to have a son that's Peter Parker's age. Right. You know, so you could definitely see him, you know, having a Harry in there. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah, so, and having not watched Breaking Bad nor Better Call Saul, I don't know. I know that was his character's name, but I have no idea how his portrayal was. Oh, and, you should do, you should totally watch Breaking Bad. Eh. Um, in any event, uh, next up is Peacock. NBC Universal's new streaming service is coming to the PlayStation 4 on July 20th. So this streaming service rolled out uh, yesterday, Wednesday, July 15th, and NBC is still adding to the list of the devices that Peacock will stream on. Beginning July 20th, Peacock will be available on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. Users users will have access to the free tier, the $5 and $10 subscription tiers. And Peacock will curate a a row featuring available content. I can tell you that um, Peacock is still not available on Amazon Fire devices, and that is a pain in the tuchus. Big pain in the tuchus because that is the device that Agent underscore 70 uses. But I did start a free subscription on my Apple devices, my mobile devices, just to check out the service. Right. So it is not worth noting. It is saying that it's going to it will be also available on Android TV and Chromecast. Uh, so there's a good chance that and, you know, and also HBO Max, I know you had a considerable. Um, it's still it's still not on. Exactly. Uh, Amazon Fire devices. We'll see what happens at the end of July. Right. So there's a good chance with the Android TV stuff that is probably going to come to the fire. So unless that also is a thing where there's some licensing or, you know, rights things that mm-hmm. is the bane of the existence. Anyway, it also says, uh, uh, I was about to say it's, it's, it's licensing and rights. And we all know what it is. Yep. That money. Almighty doll. Um, so yeah, let's see. It says the service will draw on NBC's catalog of existing content and on most, they're saying just the office. I don't know why it has to be just the office when they have so much more stuff, but I get it. That's a, a lot of people know of. Um, plus stars packed originals and shows from Showtime, CBS, and the CW. And will also stream Premier League's matches, which I guess maybe Dirt might be interested in. I don't know what leagues. People love that football slash soccer stuff. Indeed. And we're going to say it here right now, folks. NBC proud as a peacock. You have to be of a certain vintage to remember that jingle. Hey, all I know is, and I definitely have kind of a Pavlovian response to it, but we all know the the uh, the the other NBC jingle. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Which so. I think they still use. So, yeah. I'm really kind of curious. Like, this is kind of going a little farther away from comic books, so we're going to round this back out. But I'm kind of curious as to, well... Constantine, which was on NBC, is on... Actually, that's probably it, because they did say they was going to have CW stuff. So, Constantine was on NBC, so there's a good chance that that's going to be on there if, you, if you're not catching it on uh, the DC Universe. Or, I don't think it's on HBO Max at this point, but regardless. Um, right, but it's a Warner property, so... Correct. 
But they say they're doing you know? it, but they're getting stuff from CW on here, so it's like I don't know. Right. Right. It, it might I mean, be stuff that's not 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 uh, produced by CW, just stuff that's kind of been on that NBC either produced or something like you know had their hands right. in I or. Can, I I can tell you that um, you know I downloaded Peacock and I definitely saw I saw that the 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 Born Identity was on it of all things. Um, but I'm on the free tier, so I'm, I definitely have fewer things um, available to me. Sure. Um, but I can tell you that I might—I could be mistaken. I'd have to take a look on, take a look at the movies themselves. But I believe that the Fast and the Furious movies are all Universal Pictures, yes. NBC Universal Pictures. So I anticipate, um, I anticipate uh, the Fast and the Furious movies being on uh, Peacock at some point as well. That's. I guess kind of promising if, if that's what yeah. you're, you're going for. But yeah, sure. Why not? Um, do they have a different world? And, and we can just end that right there. Do you know? A different world? Yeah. I'm going to look now. Why are you doing that? Wait, it's... Uh... Well, it's not going to... Oh, no. it does, uh, I can't say that it's not on here because I'm only in the free tier. Sure. It might be available to a subscription tier. That sucks, but okay. Alrighty, next, next up, up. Um, Green Arrow and the Canary Star shares a video of her first up, archery lesson. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah, continue to do that one. But did I skip one? one? You skip one, yeah. Oh, my bad, my bad. That's fine. Keep, uh, keep doing that one. No, watch my call because no, because you're next because you have Transformers. That's why I skipped it. Okay. I did the Peacock. Okay, so well, the next can, one's yours. Well, do this <laughs> one. Just finish, uh, finish up the Green Arrow one, and we'll go back. All right. So actor Catherine McNamara shared a video of her first archery lesson on Twitter as part of the Save the Arts campaign. It's her first archery lesson on the CW's arrow, arrow, McNamara wrote. She also urged her fellow professionals in film, television, theater, and entertainment to post a photo of themselves at their job. Within the video, McNamara is shown to combine or mimic several martial arts moves with her archery. Okay. Nice. Cool. Um, I've there's a couple of people that I know on my timeline that's gotten into archery or already knew about archery. So that's the thing to say. I don't know whether it has anything to do with this or in general of that, but it's interesting. I um, did it in college. Did you? Yeah. Nice. I didn't com- I didn't compete. I definitely I just I just dabbled in archery, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was something like I know in high school, like there was like a, a certain part of gym class during the years, like right, we're going to do these targets with very little in, uh, instruction. But here you go, here's some targets, here's your bow and arrow, go. <laughs> oh no, but, we had this dude that was a competitive, um, uh, competitive uh, archer. Yeah, and, uh, oh, running in the classes, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say, but it was very much not a whole lot because you know, like gym teachers couldn't only do so much. But yeah, it was it was actually fun. I kind of wanted to take up a little bit further than that, even then, but I never did. So mm-hmm. my Hawkeye dreams are shattered. Plus, the <laughs> few times I scraped my um scraped scrape my forearm was not formed. Anyway, uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron Siege anime drops dramatic final trailer. So that's coming out at the end of this month, by the way, if you're interested in it. looks good from the trailers that I've seen. Uh, Netflix has released a dramatic final trailer for its upcoming Transformers War for Cybertron's Siege trilogy um, original anime series. The footage captures just how desperate both sides of the Autobot Decepticon War are to finally end the the conflict once and for all. Um, Which pretty much says... um, 
almost has me putting in. You got the touch. Hmm. Um, and whatever Prime says right before that, because he says something about winning at any cost, or you know, before he starts blasting that. You know what? Go just go watch Transformers the movie again because it's great. Sad but great. Next up. I, I I I disagree. It was a traumatic experience. I it tried not was. to spit it often. Well, that's what I said. So. Sad, but yeah, it was yeah yeah like many G one many G one um um uh, transformers were sacrificed for that movie, and apparently and in, the think, for, in the in the in the opening scene, basically. So. Um, and I think if we hadn't talked about that before now, I think there was a reason for that, and that's because the toys weren't selling. So I was like, well, we can get rid of these because the toys weren't selling. So. And that was going into season three of uh, Transformers, which I'm like, that's a shitty reason to do that. But wow, that's yeah. awful, awful, awful. All right, and also, and also, I was like, wait, so they killed Prime because it's the, which would you would think would be the main uh, Transformer that would be selling? So I was like, is that right again, or is that was that was the dramatic effect part? We don't know. Anyway, next up. Next up. While production has not yet resumed on many of the CW shows, a new promo has showcased what the network has coming in the near future. Um, the new CW promo welcomes Swamp Thing, Superman and Lois as well to the fall lineup. Um, it includes the inaugural season of Stargirl and the final season of The 100. The sizzle reel moves into uh, further into the fall 2020 lineup. So that's cool. Ding, 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 ding. I've been watching some disabled shows like this. Weird. The Batman spinoff focused on Gotham PD uh, coming to HBO Max is a prequel series. Okay, so here's the first thing. You're, if you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking, y'all just forgot about Gotham happening, huh? Even though, yeah, that's kind of a you know an alternate history thing. Still, it's already out there. Plus, why would you do a uh, Gotham PD in this climate? Two. But also three, and this is probably the upside of that, if they are actually doing Gotham Central storyline, that actually might be pretty good. Uh, I've I've already said that I've been a fan of Gotham PD. I'm, like, granted, like, you know, centering anything around police at this point in this climate is probably not a good look. But, you know, DC says losing and they're going to do what they're going to do. Regardless, here's the story as it, as it is. Um, apparently there was an update on July 11th because uh, it says it was reported that Warner Brothers ordered a spinoff TV series for Matt Reeves, The Batman, focused on the members of the Gotham City Police Department that will be exclusive to HBO Max. So pretty much already saying that it's going to be Gotham Central, sounds like. Uh, now there's a, another detail about the series that has come through from Variety, and that is that... Uh, it will take place before the Batman is set. The the rap, bat, Matt Reeves, Reeves movie, pardon, pardon, folks. Uh, it is is set and will dive into how Gotham became corrupt and infested with criminals. So there you go. And I guess the Batman is just gonna just go from there. Okay. Okay. Next up. All right, so we will move on, President Bartlett. What's next? I'll tell you what's next, sir. Um, Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated producer Tony Servone confirmed a longstanding theory by explaining that the show's incarnation of classic Scooby-Doo character Velma Dinkley was, in fact, written as a gay woman. 
Servone interjected during an argument between two Scooby-Doo fans in the comment section of an Instagram post where all <laughs> great discourse starts. Of course. Which had depicted Velma and the character of Marcy Fleach in a romantic relationship. One commenter decried the post on the grounds that Mystery Incorporated saw Velma in a relationship with Shaggy Rogers, while another cited previous revelations about the show pertaining to how Velma and Marcy were ostensibly both bisexual and how there were plans for Velma to break up with Shaggy. It is at this point that Servone chimed in. Okay. Yeah, so basically in hashtag we've been new, uh, people are taking this as Velma is uh, canonically lesbian. And let's face it, I'm just going to go ahead and say she is as far as I care. Um, and I do because I love me some Velma. But uh, so, yeah, it's like uh, Agent 70 said, that there was that whole argument came up, and then the producer came in and was like, no, Velma is not bi, she's lesbian. Um, and I kind of hinted to, yes, that relationship was going to end anyway. And I think, if I remember correctly from what I saw of it, and I've not seen the show proper except for a couple of episodes, I want to say that Shaggy was cheating with Daphne. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, they got that and. And then kind of kind of left uh, Velma out in the lurch, even though they kind of stayed still team or something like that. So it was, yeah, there were some things that I think happened in that show that I kind of want to get around to. It's 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 weird. Um, but next up, that's wild. Okay, uh, you have this one. I do. Uh, so yes, here's um, in hunky nerdy news. Apparently, to a lot of people, Justice League's uh, Henry Cavill builds a PC. To sexy bare white tunes, whatever, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> Superman, you know, Cavill's has come out to be a pretty large nerd. So you know, with that whole Witcher thing, he's not shy and, about it. Yeah, exactly. Which which is a beautiful thing to see. But also, you know, if he looks like that, of course he can be. Nobody going nobody going to step to him about that. In Hughes, um, he just charge the gun. He'll charge the guns. I know, right? <laughs> you know, you're gonna do exactly. Like, like, yeah, don't let don't, that man to roll up on you like that because he probably will box you for real. I don't, we don't, I don't know the man like that. Anyway, Henry Cavill has added a sultry spin to a rather geeky activity. Uh, the Man of Steel actor posted a video of himself building a new PC, uh, set with none other than the, the tune of R&B singer Barry White to accompany him. Now, granted, that would be for, we'll start to say that for most people, that would be probably a thing that would be get you, get you probably, um, get that content ID. I don't know if Instagram works out like that, but I'm pretty sure normal folks wouldn't, wouldn't be able to get away with that. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, the video showcases Cavill painstakingly assembling his PC piece by piece. The clip features Barry White's, uh, you're the first, my last, my everything, which I'm sure. Uh, Cavill wrote, this kind of material isn't for everyone. Viewer discretion is advised. I can only imagine that in his accent, uh, adding, you may see a lot of parts that you haven't seen before. Uh, the video is cleverly titled all the parts. So, you know, a little, little, um, little teasing there. And then of course, if you're watching the video versions, you can see that some of the parts that, um, that he's uh, selected for his case for his, uh, for his build. And yeah, it's a pretty, looks like a pretty gamer focused, um, PC he's got going on and got some bells and whistles. Looks like he's got some M2 going on there. He got a, um, you know, uh, an RBG lit keyboard. I'm not sure if that's the video card behind that and some other stuff, but yeah, he's 
he got his he got his thing, but I mean he he can also afford a high end build, so <laughs> it's pretty cool looking though. Yeah, it definitely it's, is. It's it's yeah. cool to see him, you know, uh, have those parts and put it together. I'm not familiar with the parts. I'm I haven't built a computer like that. So, uh, having having built a few computers in my day, I have you know I, I don't don't really keep up that much uh, lately because I think this 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 latest this last one I did a couple of years ago was probably gonna be my last build. But I mm-hmm. said that I said that before this one and that didn't happen. So who knows what's gonna happen? But yeah, he's got some some relatively prime parts in here he, he, with some colored lighting and all this guns and So he's he took some care into this, it sounds like. And yeah, and it says here he's an avid gamer, so that was explained part of that. And, you know, this is nothing new if you've been, you know, watching for a while. And we already mentioned the, the Witcher stuff, which he's really, really, really big on that and the the, 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 um, the books, not just the games. So, yeah, apparently he's in a, a big... That's right. He was also doing those Warhammer figurines, which it says here he's, uh, you know... Apparently, he has been transformed into a video game character in Total War Warhammer 2 as a high elf lore master who bears his name. So, getting that Greek geek cred all the way out there, Mr. Cavill is. Salute. Next up. All right, next up. So, um, as a follow up to the news that uh, Netflix canceled um, uh, the, uh, the Sabrina, um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina series uh apparently the series uh, one of the series creators uh roberto aguirre uh um dropped a bombshell regarding the planned feature of the archie comics based series which as i said was recently canceled um he thanked he thanked the fans of the show for all the love uh on twitter and um he thinks that part four is their best yet and part five which he entitled Witch War would have been amazing, quote unquote. And attached to the tweet was a promotional image carrying the trademark style of artist Robert Hack, evidently meant to tease the scrapped Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part 5. The image featured Sabrina herself alongside Harvey Kinkle, Nicholas Scratch, a whole bunch of people that I don't know. And we all know what um, sound effect is required here. Ooh. So, um, as well as the Riverdale gang of Archie Andrews, uh, Jughead Jones, Veronica, Betty, and Cheryl Blossom. The image reads, the witches of Riverdale are coming. So that's too bad. Yeah. But as it says in, in the tweet that you can see on the video version of this, uh, that also says that to be continued in the pages of uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Comic Book, which was running alongside uh, said show. And hey, since you're... you're you're the creative of Archie because I believe that person that you mentioned earlier is one of the uh, writers or creators or I know he has he's a part of Archie Comics regardless so boom Synergy next up uh, Tron 3 has a script but older rumors are resurfacing um, I would like to see the rumor that says that Jared Leto is not going to be a part of this but that's just me uh, Tron Legacy was released back in 2010, 30 years after the original. Tron 3 has likewise been in development for years, just not as long, however, that's me editorializing in one way or another. Uh, now numerous Disney fan sites are repeating a report from three years ago, although there is some news regarding the status of the script. Uh, according to the original report from March 2017, states that 
Tron 3 is in development with Jared Leto. We've already talked about that. At the time, it was reported that the film was in very early stages of development. Since then, Disney has canceled the Tron TV show without having even announced it. Um, some podcasts said that uh, Disney music executive Mitchell Lieb opened up about the future of the beloved franchise. And they said they had lunch with a dude and they started a conversation about looking into the script. So now it's rumored to be uh, once again back on with the Tron 3s. So, and it says here, we got a great script. I really mean phenomenal script that we're very excited about, whereas the timing wasn't right to have done it a few years ago. Uh, I think we feel like the timing is right now, and I feel like we've learned a lot of lessons from that last movie. AKA, hey, the thing that we canceled the project for in the first place, which had nothing to do with Tron, is well out of the way now, so now we can go ahead and do it. That is my take from it. But, you know. Uh, Apparently, the episode of that show is from back in early June, so that seems to be the only quote-unquote credible source for the stuff. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. That's all I'm going to say. Next up. Next up. Oh, this is perfect. You got this one. Yeah, this one fell right into my lap. So Luda dropped some... uh, Drop some news on uh, Fast and Furious Nine in a podcast this past week. Um, the you know the Universal film was originally scheduled to be released May twenty second, but was pushed until April second, twenty twenty one, because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. It appears Fast and Furious Nine will be out of this world. While a guest on uh, Sirius X, oh, it was last week. While a guest on Sirius XM's The Jess Cagle Show, Ludacris tipped his hand and alluded to a portion of the highly anticipated F9 taking place in space. The the reveal happened when co-host Julia Cunningham said she was trying to imagine how the blockbuster series could possibly keep topping itself with plots when she mentioned a few scenarios which included space. It's not right. the first time people have insinuated that they're going to space. Thank so. you very much, because I was just going to say the exact same thing. So this is just pretty much adding on to that, and who knows? And who? And Fast and Furious needs a plot now. Come on, they've not had a plot in five <laughs> movies. Let's stop this not madness. Just, wait, wait, just enjoy wait, the wait. ride. Just enjoy. Four movies. Okay, four movies. I've been had that. a plot in four movies. I'll give you that. Yes. Because they honestly could have ended the entire series with Fast Five, but they just got started there. That's the kicker. Basically. So, yeah, that's, yeah, they're, it's worth saying that they'll probably keep going Fast and Furious. I wonder if they're going to go to 12. That's the question. Because there was rumored that 9 was supposed to be the last one because it'll complete a trilogy. But there was also another rumor like 10. I was about to say, I think they, they, they said 10. Because I think what, what, uh, I think what Vin Diesel said mm-hmm. that they had three films plotted out after Paul Walker's last film. Which so was, it actually added up to 10, not nine, which was seven. Right. Right. So it would be eight, nine, 10. Right. But that doesn't mean they couldn't do a couple of other ones. Like, you know what? Just throw another trilogy up in there. Why not? Because we, right. we're still old enough. But I enough think that's what they enough. had. Right. I think that's, I think once Paul Walker passed away, um, I think that changed the plans. And once Seven kind of became like a farewell to him, mm-hmm. they 
they they had to re they had to adjust their plans and you know like whatever follow up trilogy after that became kind of stand on you know not that seven stood on its own but it was kind of like a farewell so they they didn't use that to really uh, start that new trilogy I think they used eight to start the new trilogy correct. Yeah, and also I'll say it once, I'll say it again. They bring it back Holland. They could bring back Giselle if she's willing to do it, but I know she's got bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Who knows? Ejectocito in space, cuz. Because um, <laughs> we hungry. Exactly. <laughs> I legit thought about it. I was like, you know what? I, need to, I still need to watch eight. I, I'm going to bear down and watch Hobbit Shaw at some point. I kind of want to just go back and do the whole thing over again. But <laughs> I, I feel like I will wait closer to when, yeah, I will wait closer to when <laughs> 9 comes out. And, oh and my that. gosh. Anywho, uh, Spock, Scott Pilgrim versus the World cast doing live table read for charity. And folks, if we ever do a, another um, um, uh, charity edition on um Fast and the Furious, that's going to be a doozy. You can be assured on that. Uh, but yes, the cast of the folk cult favorite comic book film, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, are reunited for a 10th anniversary table read benefiting water for people. Uh, the 10th anniversary cast table read will premiere through Entertainment Weekly on Monday, July the 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern as a part of the outlet's Fandom Week. Uh, most of the major casts, uh, Scott Pilgrim past cast are returning for the event, including Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Chris Evans. Yes, Chris Evans was in that book. It uh, was in that, um, not a book. It was in that movie. Um, Aubrey Plaza, Ellen Wong, Kieran Culkin, Mark Webber, Johnny Simmons, Alison Peel, uh, Sataya Baba, Babia, Mae Whitman, Brandon Routh, who was also in there, and Jason Schwartzman. They're not getting free? Uh, it doesn't look like it, unless not like unless that's something else. Because that's why she was in this, in that movie. Interesting. Yeah. So yes, folks. Um, super Superman, Captain Marvel, and Captain America were all in this uh movie, and also um uh Katara from last uh, from Avatar: The Last Airbender were all in this movie. Two of those people played Dick X uh, um X um boyfriends. Hilariously. Hmm. Again, that's a good movie. Um, based off a comic book, it, it, most people will know at this point. But um, and it is on Netflix. I'm fairly certain it's on Netflix. Actually, I know it's on Netflix because I just got ran through it the other day. So go check it out if you feel so inclined. Next up, all right. So in interesting news, I saw this and did not read it because I figured <laughs> we'd talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix is making an animated series inspired by. Note, inspired by the Usagi Yojimbo comics entitled Samurai Rabbit Rabbit. The, to, I'm watching too. I, I watched too much of Looney Tunes when after HBO Max dropped, right? Nice. Titled Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles. As reported by Deadline, Samurai Rabbit will tell a new story set in the same universe as the long-running comic series by Stan Sakai. It follows Teen Rabbit. It's always a Teen Rabbit. Yuichi, a descendant of the great samurai and star of the comics, Miyamoto Usagi, as Yuichi attempts to live up to the family legacy. 
He's joined in his journeys by a roguish bounty hunter, a cunning ninja, an acrobatic pickpocket, and a faithful pet lizard. Well, you know, he's missing a couple of characters if he wants to rob a casino. So, but um, and also no total title turtles uh, crossover, right? But yeah, so I saw this just like you did, and also worth noting it's because the title is like it's based on a comic that inspired Ghost of Tsushima, which is the video game that is out actually t- today, as of this recording, and I'm looking forward to playing that game, and sidestepping all the reviews, even though I caught one sort of. But yeah, so this be cold, and it's not you know Yusagi aka Rabbit Yojimbo, um you know, proper, but it's it's in the same line. So it might be pretty cool. I know you being a fan of Usagi Yujimbo, if I'm not correct if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I so. do have lots of Usagi comics. So mm-hmm. I was hoping that it was gonna be an Usagi series, but I I understand that a lot of people, as you mentioned, have a very um close they they they, they closely relate Usagi with the turtles. Mm-hmm. So it sounds fair that they would go in a different direction right so we'll see how that pans out when that happens wait did that was there a date did we say a date i think there was not um oops no that's good goes to Tsushima's date i don't think there's uh any word on it so basically just coming at yeah. some point be on the lookout right yeah next the yeah. all right so next up we go into the comic book news we're transitioning Oh, um, Archie Comics partners with Spotify in podcast series. So while fans of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina just learned that the series will end its uh, Netflix run, as we have previously just said, Archie Comics devotees will be cheered by the new first look deal made by Spotify to create an original series of podcasts based on the Archie Comics universe. This follows a similar deal Spotify made recently with DC Comics and probably... You know, I will assert here the stuff that uh, Marvel's doing and on that front elsewhere with their audio podcasts that they've been doing for the last few years. Uh, Deal encompasses the whole Archieverse, encompassing the characters Archie, Betty, Jughead, and Veronica, as well as Sabrina and Josie and the Pussycats. They have uh, ears for hats, I hear. Uh, The creative team at Archie Comics will collaborate with Spotify Studios on the development of the series. It's unclear whether the series will hit Spotify platform first, although I don't see why that it would not be the case. Uh, but there are conversations around potential shows of all ages, as well as other content aimed at an older audience. Think Riverdale and Sabrina. So there you go. Archie podcast, folks. This is the world we're living in. Hey, you know, Spotify's looking for that original content. Pretty much. Yeah. So I ain't mad at him for it. Next up. All right, Wizards of the Coast has temporarily suspended Magic the Gathering in-store play in the U.S. and Latin America into the fall. This suspension is scheduled to last through the Zendikar Rising pre-release events in the fall. See, Wizards of the Coast reveals Magic the Gathering sets for 2020. The lost year of Magic the Gathering organized play continues to venture deeper into the rough for retail stores. Wizards of the Coast had just gotten the ball rolling again with in-store play on June 1st after being forced to cancel everything uh, due to COVID-19. Um, now, due to the pandemic's reemergence, good job, Florida et al. 
um, reemergence in certain areas. Uh, Wizards has adopted a better safe than sorry approach in keeping its magic community healthy and safe. They have officially suspended all in-store events and offered no definite timeline for the lifting of the suspension because it could potentially be disrupted by further outbreaks. Hmm. It is worth noting, and we may have talked about this in the past, and it just came out with uh, M21, the AKA Core 21, fairly recently, and they do releases like every six months, four to six months like that, um, so, which I need to get me a pack of core, uh, uh, a set of cores, because I do love to core. So anyway, that's a whole other story that I'm, I'm ranting to myself about something that no one cares about here. Um, but it is worth noting that Wizards of Coast does have an... Um, They've been moving a lot of the in-store stuff to their game, to their uh, mobile, not even mobile, but um, their, to their PC game, um, Marvel Arena, uh, not Marvel, sorry, Magic Arena. So a lot of the stuff that they normally would do in-store, they kind of got away with doing it in their game, which is cool. And I think as far as I know, because I haven't been in the game in a minute um, since that last uh, uh, expansion came out. But they definitely have been doing like Friday Night Magic stuff in the game. So some of that stuff kind of still lives there. And I didn't know they had opened back up to or starting to open back up to like having stuff in stores. You know, although who's to say that there's probably some stupid stores that's like, well, we're going to do it anyway. But who even knows at this point? Next up. Next up. Um, oh, wait, is that you? Is me? Sorry. No, this is you. Because yeah, I did Wizards. Yeah, okay. So I thought. Um, how will Star Wars toys include X-Wing Replica? 2020 has been an odd year since that's an, very much an understatement. An understatement. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it cannot come with fun toys and enjoyable experiences. That way to have a nice pineapple attitude, especially for uh, Star Wars fans. As the entertainment and gaming world has been affected by COVID-19, I'm glad people are starting to say COVID-19 more than they have coronavirus at this point. This is good. This is, but granted, they've been doing this for a minute. That's just me. Anyway, uh, Mattel would I was about have, to say, we've been doing this since jump. True. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, because even in the beginning, we were kind of going back and forth, but we kind of just you know went on with the straight-up COVID-19, because there you go, that's it. Uh, Marvel would have shared new... T- Mattel, excuse me, would have shared new toys at Comic-Con if it weren't for the fact that the event was canceled. Um, but the show must go on, and Mattel has unveiled a brand new X-Wing Hot Wheels toy, which those words together seem kind of weird, but it is, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that Hot Wheels would have, you know, branded stuff because they absolutely have. Anyway, the X-Wing is one of the most iconic creations in Star Wars and in the pop culture, really. Uh, the, and it said, really, that was not me being you know, sarcastic. Uh, the awesome new Hot, Wheel, Hot Wheels X-Wing will cost $25 and will go on sale Thursday, July 23rd. The item is designed to be both fun, toy, and a collector's item. Uh, perfectly for young kid fans of Star Wars and adult kids who like to collect things. Because let's be honest, it's mostly for the adult kids because especially this version that if you can see on the video is the one from Dagobah of after um Luke plunked it into the swamp and Yoda fished it out seemingly. Um is what this looks like. But let's face it, uh, adults got the money, so you know they're gonna you know the, the kids can only do so much. It's the adults with the money that they're, they're, they're target targeting. Mm-hmm. And as an adult who doesn't have as much money, I'm not mad at, but at the same time this next story will, un- will understandably let you know why I'm a little peeved. 
25 bucks. I mean, it, this has got to be like a, a, a middle scale. I would hope. Like it's not true Hot Wheel scale. Right. You know, but it's definitely not full, you know, full Hasbro scale. Right. So. And it doesn't say what scale is in this article. So, yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I see the picture, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. Next up. All right. Next up. Hold on. I've got a lead in for this one. Oh, okay. I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Transformers and Top Gun do a crossover for Maverick Autobot from Hasbro. Transformers gotten a lot of crossovers lately. We recently saw a collaboration with Back to the Future with the Gigawatt Autobot. Well, yes. this time. We're looking to the skies as Top Gun arrives in the Transformers world. That's right. The iconic Grumman F-14 Tomcat jet is back with a little energy magic or Energon magic. He becomes Maverick. The new Hasbro collaboration robot features movie-inspired details, folding jet wings, and multiple attachable missiles. For accessories... Listen to this. This is pretty funny. For accessories, Maverick will get a miniature motorcycle figure from Top Gun. The 7-inch figure, the full figure, will be able to convert from a transformer to jet in 25 steps. One of the coolest accessories this figure comes with is a volleyball. This perfectly can capture the slow motion games on the beach. Uh, it's a pretty interesting crossover for Transformers <laughs> to be a part of. So um, the Top Gun and Transformers fans can already get a kick out of this. It's already live on Hasbro Pulse. The Transformers Generations Top Gun mashup Maverick Robot is priced at forty nine ninety nine, mm. and is set to fly on over in October 2020. And pre-orders are located on Hasbro Pulse. So the last time we talked about such a crossover, and I don't believe there's actually a comic book with this one as re- in relation to the last one we talked about, which was the Back to the Future one that we talked about last week. But no, knows? there's a comic that comes with the toy, I think. Oh, but yeah, I saw images. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I could be mistaken, but I definitely saw images of uh, Back to the Future and no, no, I'm oh, talking about oh, Top Gun. We're crossing wires. Oh, you mean there's no comic with the the Top Gun? Right. One. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we are yeah. talking about the, the the series that's coming out with the, the alongside the um. God, I got. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. Um, um. By the way, as of note, if you're keeping track, I did pre-order the um the Ghostbusters one because the um I was still miffed about the. Back to the Future one not being able to be found because they had always sold out, but I believe there's another one coming this uh, this fall that I hope to take advantage of. But I did get the pre-order in for the uh, the Ectotron one from Ghostbusters. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something funny. Mm. The, scale, the 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 scale of the volleyball that's included mm-hmm. is actually for the Transformer, right? Yeah, because you can see. Matter of fact, yeah, because if you if you're watching the video, you can see it in his hand as they have them posed. That is pretty funny. Mm. And I'm sure Gobot Gobot fans are like, but that's just leader one. No, <laughs> no, this is Transformers. This is better. Stop it with your bootleg Transformers. Stop it. To be fair, I liked leader one. I had a figure, but whatever. 
So yeah, I'm. I may go. I'm. This could happen. I don't know. <laughs> Fifty dollars. That's not terribly bad. But you know, I, I've done worse. I've done worse. I'm actually. I actually went looking for a blaster blaster figure uh, with the tapes after we talked last week. Uh, in addition to that other pre-order that I just mentioned. So, um, but anyway, next up, fan art features Frozen and other Disney characters re- reimagined as Marvel characters. So you can see here, if you're watching the video, a picture of um, Scarlet Witch looking like um, Mrs. Incredible, kind of. But then again, that's a, that's a Disney Pixar style, so that's not really saying much. Um, it says here, it says, I got a, oh, the article says, I got a fun series of fan art for you to check out that features a few Disney characters reimagined as uh, Marvel characters. The art comes from French artist Samuel Chev, I'm presuming that's how it's pronounced, and they feature characters from Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, and more as Avengers. Uh, the majority of the art focuses on Anna, Elsa, and Kristoff, as various Marvel heroes. It's a cool series of art that, that this person who wrote this article thinks you will enjoy. And indeed, I enjoyed it. So as you can see, I don't know who this character is, but I'm assuming that's a Frozen reference like they mentioned. You see this dude here is uh, Tony Stark. You see uh, Anna as Mary Jane in classic Mary Jane or quote-unquote classic Mary Jane outfit, at least according to that one uh, series that she did. Um... Or at least the first one that she does, I should say. Uh, also, Wreck-It Ralph as Happy from uh, from Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Kristoff as uh, Captain America. Uh, and again, as um, as uh, Black Widow, etc. Et and, you know, they're basically going through the same characters as different Marvel folks. I think the one is Peter, Peter Quirrell is probably the closest one that's, that seems to fit. But the one other ones are all right. And of course, there's this Elsa one as uh, Wanda, aka Scarlet Witch. So there you go. Oh, wait, there's one here as Hella, too. So cool. And other folks, which, yeah, there you go. So you can have fun um, going to the show notes and check out that there article. Next up, um, if you uh, don't mind, I will take this because I know you don't have the kind. Well, if you want to take it, go for it. I mean, I just looked at the, I looked at the Twitter account. That's all. Yeah. Uh, do you have the video up? There, yeah, I do. All right. So, meanwhile, in the West Village of New York City, some new street art has appeared, and it depicts uh, Superman on one uh, part of a building. Uh, I'm not sure what streets these are on. I, I'm sort of familiar with uh, what look you know with this building facing. I think, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, it has a uh, Superman. Um, with a mask on, and it says uh, "Save Us, Justice League." On another, um, on another uh, uh, side of the building, you have images of Batman, Thor, and Wonder Woman, also all wearing face masks. As a reminder to everyone to wear face masks covering your nose and mouth during this pandemic. Yes, and of course, someone was like. What the what WTF is Thor doing with the Justice League? Which come on, folks, artistic license, stop it. Yep. Uh, and then there were some other comments which I will not go into because some of them are trash. So we're just gonna get off that and move on to the next story. But that was some good, pretty good looking art, though. If you find that somewhere, you let you know you, you know, 
tweet that out or something. I don't know. If you ever get over that area. Uh, Lego made a 26, uh, 2600 piece, which that's kind of ironic in itself, but 2600 piece replica of playing Mario on the NES. Now, yes, this has absolutely nothing to do with the comics, but I thought that was kind of cool. So uh, Lego, in its craziness, just put the set together, and it is uh, an old-school uh, Nintendo Entertainment Center system, a.k.a. the NES, that you can put together with a controller and a TV, and it's playing some Mario on said TV. So it is not actually playable, but, you know... Or actually, it looks like you can crank the sides and then there's a little diorama going on inside, it sounds like, if that's the case. Unless that's a... I don't know what that crank is there. Oh, and it looks like there's a cartridge to come with uh, that uh, with no parts that you can blow into. But uh, it is 2,646 pieces. Good luck with that, you maniacs. Mm. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, the crank located on the left side of the TV lets you move the mustache to uh, plumber up and down between platforms. So, cool. Crazy, but cool. Next up. Right. So, of course, I get the Hasbro Marvel <laughs> Legends news. There's a couple of pieces of news here. I'm going to start with it's not part of the it's not part of our news list, but I can tell you that um, Hasbro dropped images and pre-orders for the X-Men movie figures that were announced at Toy Fair. You know, there's a movie Wolverine, a movie Mystique, and a two-pack of uh, Xavier and Magneto um, that are that they're on pre-order now at Hasbro at Hasbro Pulse and uh, other toy websites, including uh, Amazon.com. So they are up for pre-order now. But the big news, the big big news, literal from Haslab, literally, is a project that you can back. For the Sentinel. And this is a properly scaled Sentinel. It is um, 26.3 inches tall and features 72 points of articulation. Has is jam-packed with detail and has LED lights in the eyes and chest. Includes an 18-inch tentacle, which also will be included, um, that attaches to the palm. A six-inch Bastion figure will also be included in this Haslabs creation, and it will also include human and prime heads. That is that Bastion figure. The stretch goals that have been reached so far have unlocked several items that are going to be included with the Sentinel. It's going to uh, include a Master Mold alternate head. It's already been unlocked. Tier 2 has already been unlocked. It now will include a battle-damaged head and hand accessory. Tier 3 has also already been unlocked. And that is a Marvel Legends, another Marvel Legends 6-inch figure of a female Prime Sentinel figure. This crowdfunded project will run from, has, has started on July 10th, and is going to end at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on August 24th, 2020. It's already successful. The project is going to ship around fall 2021. That is a long time to wait, but they have to build a lot of Sentinels because they have hit so many of their stretch goals. I have not 
You didn't do it? Because I know we talked about not this. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. You talked about this uh, after am, the show last week. Right. I am definitely heavily considering this <laughs> because of the all the stretch things that you get. Right. Because the value for it has gone up quite a bit. Do we have a price? Three fifty. Ugh. I mean, but Three I mean, considering what you're getting, yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. You you you, you uh uh you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said that pre all the stretch goals, right? I you know, probably would have said getting, it, but you know, no. But now you're getting extra heads. You're getting two extra figures, right? That part, you know. Yes. Exactly, and then you start doing the math. Like, wait, those figures are at the very least fifteen to nineteen dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, so the figure. So we're talking about the Sentinel being basically three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and you're getting extra heads, and you're getting extra pieces, extra hands. It's pretty cool, and you're getting like electronic light up stuff. Um, there are people talking about getting more than one, and I'm like, yo, I know those people got more money in sense. <laughs> that is hard, hardcore. But it makes you know, sense though, because think about it. If you're gonna get a, you can't just have you can't just have one Sentinel. You you're gonna need at least uh, two, you know. Especially if you're gonna do the, either the mall scene or any number of other scenes, you know. Uh, exactly. Them. Exactly. I hate to say this. I hate to say this. You need three. <laughs> yeah, probably. You, I, I mean, for for any scene with the Sentinel in it, at the very uh, least, kind two, of you need three, the, unless you're doing Master Mold, right? Right, because they are including a Master Mold, so that's generally the one. Uh, the one sentinel you see by itself right so well, it's pretty you know that's a lot of scratch to drop on marvel legends figures if you're going to get three right. but there are people out there doing it that's how mm-hmm. they got to the stretch goal so fast right i mean unless you're doing that one scene and um, well not not just one but the one of the scenes in like x-men animated where master mole is pretty much there and it's like sideline with a with a couple of them on uh next to it but exactly yeah like, come on! And even even this picture, I mean, even one of the pictures here has got like one with Wolverine, you know, mm-hmm. of being held. And obviously, you gotta you gotta do the scene in uh, X Men TES where, where Wolverine's on his back and was like, "I'm sending you back to Oz." <laughs> you know, I think he went on. I mean, I have to watch that it. again. But I, I mean, already, it, I have already completed spirits. the run through. I was about to say, in all seriousness, as a longtime comics reader, as a longtime X-Men fan, to do Sentinels Justice, you need a fleet of them. Yeah, you need a couple. But and, That's the worst. Yeah. You know. That is the worst feeling, is that you need a fleet of Sentinels. <laughs> at the minimum, three. Which, if you do the math, is you're already almost at a G. I mean, and I that's like you a lot with more. two, though. The, What's that? I feel like you can get by with two, depending on the scenes you're trying to do. Definitely three. You're right. I agree with you on three, but two you can kind of get back with, get with because a lot of times you, you've seen them come in pairs, especially animated version. But still, definitely, definitely. And I was going to say, if I get a Sentinel, I'm definitely going to have to rethink where I display my figures because <laughs> I don't think my bookshelf is going to fit that gigantic Sentinel unless he's crouching. Right. So. That's pretty, pretty epic. I am, you know, stay tuned, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast to see whether or not I back this. Um, I still have some time, but I have roughly a month to see if I back this Sentinel um, HasLab project. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing looking. Um, it's, pre- you know, and what's funny is that before we move on, the uh, I watched a portion of the um, the uh, uh, the video show. 
mm-hmm. where they dropped this. And uh, is it Dan Yun, I think? He's on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. He's one of the Hasbro uh, development guys or marketing guys that uh, frequently does these um, Fan Friday um, uh, YouTube shows mm. and reveals. Uh, he mentioned that um, you know they don't have any Marvel Legends size play sets yet. And you wonder if that's not where they're going either with the toy line as they start to run out of, you know, main mainstream figures to uh, to put out mm. or um, now that um, the Sentinel was so quickly funded, they may decide to do um, more HasLab projects with mm. play sets. You know, you wonder if they would do a X-Mansion, an Avengers Mansion, an Avengers Tower, uh, a Quinjet. Yes, I'm you know, Quinjet. Thank you. I feel like you know, and, and, and they have done they have done figures with vehicles in, in the past. So that's that one definitely. That last one is definitely not outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, if they did a build a figure Quinjet, you know, where they included like chunks of the the Quinjet with sure. the figures, mm-hmm. you know, but that's you know, but that scale, especially to get it properly on the six inch scale, that's going to be a lot. That's going to be big. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm thinking maybe it's a Haslab project. Yeah, makes sense. Because yeah, so, cause they've done because they've done like Deadpool with Scooter. They've done you know uh, Black Widow with her yeah, cycle. Most, they've done yeah, most of them been motorcycles, right? Most right. of them been motorcycles. So I feel like there was one like oh, Professor X and wait did with it, the oh, chair. Oh, yeah, with the chair. Uh, oh. I feel like there's there's one close that they've done that almost was kind of seen like, but uh, yeah, I can't think of it right now. But either way, let's move on. But I will say before we move on to this one and the next feedback over here. Uh, yes, the the project will run from July 10th to June 20th, if you haven't said it before, to August 24th, which is my brother's birthday. I know he's, you know, whatever. Uh, he's not a big Marvel fan, so he's not going to get him for himself either way. But yeah, it ends at midnight on August 24th. Uh, it, we've already outlined some of the stuff that it comes with. It is also mm-hmm. worth noting that apparently um, you get the, the least appealing thing on here is like you get Marvel Insider points redemption code 70,000 points per purchase limit two codes per per account and I guess you get oh you get a copy of X-Men number 14 which I'm going to assume is the first appearance of said Sentinels in the so. comic form to read on my Marvel Unlimited app or the Marvel Comics app or yeah the Marvel Comics app basically um. So yeah, the only thing that I think is missing before we move on is like the no voice. Because if they had like the cartoon voice just saying, you know, <laughs> mutant something something or the exterminate or something, not exterminate, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, that would be the the, the just the topper of that one. Hell, I'd probably buy one if that that was the case. Anyway, next <laughs> up, next up, Square Enix brings back. I was their- about to say- Oh, sorry, I was about to say just just pause just a pause on that. You made me think. Can you imagine if they ever did a six a six inch scale? Like if Marvel ever got together with Toho and they're like, "Hey, let's put Godzilla back in the Marvel universe the way it used to be," mm-hmm. and they had to put a Marvel Legends a uh, uh, a legit Marvel Legends scale six inch scale Godzilla. Ooh. That thing would be gigantic. I'll sweeten the pot. Red Ronin, also yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. You'd have to think that if they were going to do a Red Ronin figure, it would have to be comparable to this to to the Sentinel, if not bigger, and likely more likely a build a figure. 
yeah. if they didn't go that route. So yeah, interesting. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it's all good. No, just, I like it. I like this thinker. We should work for them. Um, Red Ronin Hasbro, get on it. Next up, uh, Square Enix brings back their Marvel Universe variant uh, figures. So yeah, so squaring this, who you don't really know to be have a line of toys, which they do, and they have for quite a while, long time, as well as doing video games and other stuff. Most of the video games, as most people know them at this point, also are in the toy collectibles, and they have uh, here's their line. If you're watching the video of um, Marvel Universe stuff, you see Iron Man, you see Captain America, you see uh, Iron Spider. This looks like the the MCU version. Of Iron Spider, um, and yeah, you see, you know, the various figures with their accoutrement. Uh, looks all right. Some of them look better than others. I'm not sure if I'm crazy about that cap. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that one. I'll take a look at it later. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but the Iron Man looks kind of expected. The Iron Spider one, like it is the. the I think all of these are kind of MCU versions, though. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, nevertheless, they've gotten back into the game with that. Um, so there you go. Designed by Tetsuya Nomura, who's a big name. So there you go. Next up. Next up, Marvel's Avengers video game will have the Avengers fighting aim and its boss Modok in September. But you'll be able to join Miss Marvel and her new buds a little bit earlier. Thanks to a trio of betas beta versions starting in august square enix slipped ign the dates and it looks like pre-ordering it on the ps4 will be the best way to play as early as possible you should never pre-order games though and everyone will be able to get their turn eventually uh august 7th is the playstation pre-order beta august 14th is the xbox and pc pre-order beta and august 14th is the playstation open beta i i halfway agree agree and disagree with this uh with the article writer saying the about pre-orders because yeah a lot of times especially lately that can be a risky proposition and not worth it um especially if you just to get if it's to, just to get into the beta which i have i look i have done it myself so i'm not completely faultless in that to to, to get into a beta of a game that i'm always going to get anyway uh but yeah so the dates are august 7th for playstation pre-order beta uh, August 14th for Xbox and PC pre-order beta. August 14th for the open beta. So there is an open beta, so you don't have to pre-order. So the open beta means that anybody will be able to get in, so you don't have to pre-order it to get in. Uh, that goes August 14th, which is a, a cousin's birthday, and August 21st, which is another person that I know's birthday. Actually, August 7th is, uh, is my uncle's birthday. No, wait, that's the 8th. Sorry. Anyway, August is a good month. Hey, we out here. Anyway... Xbox and PC open beta on the 21st. So if you are interested in that game, also made by Square Enix, by the way. Uh, actually, well, excuse me, published by Square Enix, but made by Crystal Dynamics. There is the beta that is coming. Next up, uh, Marvel Made Comic Giant launches new line of prestige collectibles. So apparently this is... Um, Marvel and Repop getting together and um, going hard with that pin game, amongst other things. Marvel Entertainment has just launched Marvel Made, an exclusive new line of prestige collectibles. I literally had to look at this article and see, to say, see, wait, they haven't done this already? Because this feels like an old article. Anyway, the new product line, which is in collaboration with Repop, the event planners behind New York Comic Con, PAX, C2E2, Star Wars Celebration, EC... Uh, 
EC, sorry, ECCC, uh, MCM Comic Con, and Book Con. I didn't know they had Book Con under their belt, but anyway, includes an inaugural, inaugural, oh lord, I can say that word, I promise, inaugural pen set and collector's notebook bundle featuring art by Eisner Award winning artist. Say it with me, folks, Scotty Young. Uh, and you, if you're watching the video, you can see all the pins here and stuff that goes with it, which is kind of cool. Includes a journal book uh, that um, has Marvel made on the front and Spidey in the, the Scott Young style. Uh, so that is pretty cool. Uh, let's see. It says here, going back to its roots with Stan Lee, Marvel has always had a direct connection with its fans, says Dan Buckley, president of Marvel Entertainment. Marvel May continues that tradition by providing all true believers with exciting and truly unique high-end collectibles that can only be created by the House of Ideas. Except for the stuff that looks like other people have been doing outside of those pins. and Because you know, pins has been a big thing for a while. And those are collectibles. People are real big on pins. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, know, know that, uh, Agent 70. I do. But... <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, I have a couple, no big deal. You know what I mean? I think I have a couple too um, on the Funko side of it, but yeah. You know, like I, I have a couple like, Scotty Young type character pins. So. Nice. Yeah, like I haven't gotten to the full, like, let's go to Disney and go get some pins, even though no one's going, should be going to Disney World at this point or land. Anyway. Uh, Marvel made product will learn uh, will run on a limited time basis throughout the year. Fans can purchase this on the official site through a mix of limited runs, flash sales, and minimum pre-orders. The inaugural uh, Scott Young premiere bundle includes the following: uh, the aforementioned pin set, which is like ten pins with uh, various Avengers characters. Uh, let's see, Carnage stuff. There's a bunch of basically a bunch of pins and that notebook that I talked about. And it looks like an exclusive Marvel made Scotty Young variant of Excalibur number one, which was the Tinny Howard book that we talked about earlier. Um, only 2,500 units have been processed, with each costing $199. Fans are only allowed to purchase a maximum, and all right, maximum bundle of two bundles. You have to have bundles to be able to get those bundles. So, congrats to you folks and you pin collectors. Next up, next up, uh, Marvel's next event is Dark and Heavy Metal. More ACD references here. King in Black. Earlier this month, Marvel teased that Null is coming. And now we know when and how. December with an event series entitled King in Black. Um, Co-creators Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman are going to reunite after Absolute Carnage and their Venom work together for Marvel's next major event following Empire, which is has just started. So uh, it's uh, the King in Black featuring uh, Null uh, making his move for power. And you know what? The sound effect that we use for uh, Dark Knight's Metal is also appropriate. Excellent! Which, funny as you mentioned that, because there was a lot of... Um... Um, people on Twitter talking about, oh, including myself, admittedly, thinking, oh, so this is Marvel's uh, Black Dark Knight's Metal. And to which uh, Ryan Stegman has been kind of going out there talking about, no, no, I'm sitting here like, you know, dude, you don't have to do this. Let the work speak for itself. People are going to say what they're going to say, just like me, because I'm still thinking it's going to be pretty much that. Marvel and DC always follows each other's book. This is not a surprise. They've been doing it for years. We have said so in the past. 
Um, and we already knew that Noel was coming, so you know, and there was going to be an event behind it. That's a whole other thing. So, next up, um, there we go. Hey, it loaded in. Yay! Marvels Earth will be a very different place after Empire. Um, Empire co writer. So basically, uh, just to short and sweet, this one. This is an interview with Al Ewing about uh, what's going to happen, what's going to be going on in the Marvel universe after Empire. Um, so you should check that out. Definitely. Next up. All right, Marvel Comics' planned relaunch of teen superhero team title Champions under the Outlawed branding is back on with plans for the series to debut series to debut in October writer Saladin Ahmed um, whose Marvel titles are also under the outlawed banner tweeted the news stating the returning champions will tie in directly to October's Miles Morales Spider-Man 19 and Magnificent Miss Marvel number 15 in October writer Eve L. Ewing and artist Simone DeMeo bring it all together as Marvel's young heroes unite for a brand new champions. Number one, which then ripples out to Slugfest and school protests in miles Morales, uh, Spidey number 19 and Kamala playing the fugitive in the magnificent Miss Marvel number 15 tweeted Ahmed. This has an interesting, uh, uh, you know, I guess kind of retro effect. We'll see how that, you know, there's some reference to some of the events of, uh, outlawed, um, Possibly in that Captain Marvel issue that came out this week. So it's kind of weird, you know, in terms of timing. So we'll see. Yeah. I guess that's basically their way of saying, yeah, even though it's, you know, she's not involved, it still touches on. It makes sense because Miss Marvel is a kind of sort of a protege of girls. So sure, why not? Uh, also worth noting, um, speaking of, I'm, one, I'm happy that Champions is coming back. I, I kind of wish uh, Eve, uh, Eve Ewing had had a. You know, had gotten the book because for some, I kind of like what she did with Riri and Ironheart. Um, but anyway, uh, there was this tweet from Saladin Ahmed that has nothing to do with this per se, but he says that uh, some readers have been worried that all my talk of other projects, because he has been definitely doing some other stuff, uh, means that I'm stepping away from Kamala and Miles. Nope. Still writing both books, both books, uh, both coming back hard this fall with thrilling, relevant storylines. So that is awesome to hear. Had no real reason to doubt it, but it's, you know, the, the confirmation is good to hear. Because we've both been liking his, um, the, his, uh, oh. and, and Miles is also, also, uh, you know, at that. So next That's up. That's cool. Yeah. Next up. I just did the last one. No, I had, I did, uh, I just had uh, the plane relaunch of champions. Okay, fine. I'm I'm loopy right now. Don't mind me. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm like, you may have finished the uh, the, the story, but hey, but, I do a lot uh, of talk. I know I do a lot of talking, folks. So I'm sorry, yeah. not sorry. Uh, you get you have to one. Yeah. Which this one was probably more of your alley, but you people will understand why because I know you're more of a fan than I am. Anyway, Milligan and Allred still working on Ecstatic's uh, spinoff title. I don't know if you were actually a fan of Ecstatic's, but I know you're an Allred fan. Uh, I was gonna say not really. I didn't. I didn't really pick it up. You know, all we know about it is Dupe, right? 
That's what I remember. Well, although to be honest, I do have a lot of this ecstatic stuff as a result of inherit of uh, of not quite inheriting, but being given a collection. So, and I believe Tim was definitely an ecstatic. I feel like we there was an ecstatic person on 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 hand. I don't know because we know that Tim was in the Xbox, but I'm not sure if Ecstatic was one. And I know a lot of people like Ecstatic, so. But anyway, writer Peter Benekin has offered an update on his planned Ecstatic spinoff series, Excellent, uh, with artist Mike Allred, which unites the, the creators for a follow-up to, uh, to the cult classic series from the early to, to the early thousands, two thousands. Um, announced in July 2019, following a giant-sized Ecstatic's one-shot number one one-shot, Excellent. Will brings together both the creators and the characters of the original Ecstatic series for an all-new adventure. Uh, however, no update on when the series might debut um, has been offered until now, sounds like. Uh, it's coming. Right. We're working on it. Uh, and that's pretty much all we got. Next up. All right. Next up, we're going to try to move this along as Roddy Cat gets a little... We'll try to keep him from getting a little loopier. Um <laughs> In a new Star Wars story reveals how Palpatine came back to life without anyone knowing. So this is part of the big plot hole in in the, the recent Star Wars trilogy concerning Emperor Palpatine. Um, but as, however, a new Star Wars book has resolved that conundrum after revealing Palpatine's plan in that galaxy far, far away. As pointed out by Screen Rant, a new Star Wars novel entitled Shadowfall reveals that a plan set in motion by Palpatine after his first death in Return of the Jedi helped pave the way for his eventual surprising return and even explains why Luke and Lando were searching for that wayfinder in the rise of Skywalker. Okay. So uh, have fun with that novel folks. Yeah. And it sounds like it touches up some stuff in Star Wars Battlefront too, which one an operator an operation that you end up apparently playing has something to do with that storyline. Mm-hmm. And Zane's people. Next up, NBC Universal launches Comics Company with Grant Morrison on the first title. Um, yeah, NBC Universal is getting into the comic book biz and enlisting Grant Morrison and Boom Studios to help. NBC Universal subsidiary Universal Content Productions, a TV production company, is launching a division focused on comics called UCP Graphic. Uh, the first project on the ongoing series titled Project Val- uh, Valley Road, written by Grant Morrison and screenwriter Alex Child, Holby City, whatever that is. The artist has not yet been named. So UCP Graphic has lined up Booms uh, to publish the series. Varieties, pr- which published the announcement, said that UCP Graphic would be up for quote unquote up and coming talent. Although we don't think Morrison would be considered helping coming talent. Sorry about that. I turned on Peacock for a second and like some stuff started playing. Of course, like it does. But yeah, that's it. Um. So yeah, that's. Wait, is there anything else outside of that? I think that's it. So just that one book and whatever else they're gonna do. Next. All right. Thanks to thanks to thanks to the uh, the pandemic and quarantine, time has passed in just an unknowable sense. So it feels weird to talk about two DC Halloween specials coming to scare you this October. But you know what? 
solicitation scheduling being what it is, it's about that time. DC will be helping comics readers get into the spooky spirit early with two anthology DC Halloween specials coming out in the first half of October. So DC's de facto horror hero Swamp Thing will star in the first. Uh, on August 6th, it's going to be Legend of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular number one. Um, Tom King is going to be uh, contributing a new story. And he's going to be joined by several people, including James Tinney and the fourth, Vita Ayala, and so on and so on. And the second book, I'm going to have to open the the article, is um, – give me a moment. The second book is going to be a week later on October 13th. Uh, it's going to be DC, The Doomed and the Damned, number one, a more general anthology of DC heroes in some spooky situations. Okay. Yay. Uh, yeah, the, the 80-page one-shot is priced at 10 bucks. I guess that's for, right. the, uh, that's for the second one, I'm assuming. Yes. And the first one's five ninety nine. the Swamp Thing thing. Cool. Next, uh, Tom King. Is it Horror or George? I don't know. Uh, Fornes, yeah, launch Rorschach on DC Black Label. So a twelve-issue maxi series launches on October first, October thirteenth, featuring the Watchman character Rorschach. Rorschach. Um, not to be confused with Horshack from the from uh, Welcome Back Carter. Welcome Back Carter. All right. Described as a described by DC as a new vision. <laughs> I see what it did there. Uh, the book is set 35 years after the Watchmen character Ozymandias was um, exposed for dropping a giant telepathic squid on New York City. Wow, um, killing thousands and ending the ending the public's trust in heroes once and for all. Uh, this is, of course, an extrapolation of what happened after the classic work by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons ended. Um, and it goes into the Watchmen TV show. So, yeah. There you go. Tom King is coming out again with another Maxi series. This one I will probably not be reading. Next. Oh, next up, in some actually good news mm-hmm. for people like me who love the Ohatmu but never got into DC's equivalent, Who's Who, DC is finally collecting Who's Who in 2021. The DC Encyclopedia gets a long-awaited omnibus next year. A classic DC staple is getting a fresh coat of paint in the form of a long-awaited collected edition of Who's Who, the publisher's encyclopedic catalog of all of its characters, locations, concepts, and artifacts, at least those that were introduced before or during the series' original run from 1980. 85. I didn't realize it was actually going through 1993. Mm-hmm. So, listing for Who's Who Omnibus Volume 1 is now posted on the website of Penguin Random House, one of DC's bookstore distributors. The collection clocking in at 1,328 pages collects various um, uh, editions of Who's Who, including Who's Who, the definitive directory directory of the DC Universe, number 1 through 26, from 1985, and so on, and so on, and so forth. This is actually something I would consider getting. Yeah, because so, uh-huh. it's data, and it's just so crazy to know what came, because this does cover 
uh, pre and post crisis, right? But doesn't but doesn't cover any of the insanity that comes after. Um, what is it? Goes through ninety three. So we're really talking about roughly death of Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, so. we're talking. This is DC history up to death of Superman. So this is right up my alley. I would seriously consider getting this when it comes out as something to put on the bookshelf and to keep handy for DC reference. Yeah, I kind of would. I'm kind of considering it myself because yeah, like you, like me, DC's knowledge is not the the the, the most extensive. Uh, and they've got a bunch of batshit crazy characters. So if you, mm-hmm. like us, want to know about such figures as Danny to the Street, Arm Fall Off Boy, and I don't know the question, some 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 other crazy uh, behind, oh, KG Beast, and other DC crazy behind sounding characters, Calendar Man, I guess, yeah. I don't know. That'll take you through Death of Superman and Nightfall. Yes. Arm Fall Off Boy, folks. That was a decent mm-hmm. character. Anyway, so yeah, that's coming soonish. Whatever I will probably. Oh yeah, it goes on sale April thirteenth, twenty twenty one. If you had not said that already, I wonder if, no, if this will spur them doing cool. another collection, like like doing an up to date version. We'll see. We'll see if they're interested. You know, the 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 desire for this is lessened obviously because of the advent of the internet. Sure. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, Marvel does it, uh, according to events, you know, they, they do, uh, they do targeted editions of, you know, hot moose style handbook for events. So I don't know if DC is going to do a who's who that's updated for today. That would be pretty extra. Uh, it would be pretty elaborate to try to get in all of the things that have happened through, let's say. Dark Knight, uh, uh, Dark Knight's death metal. Mm-hmm. So, Flashpoint alone. Anyway, right. Um, suits for heroes. Uh, hashtag Suits for Heroes enlists you, Postacio, and more to raise money for PPE in the Philippines. Um, several well-known Filipino comic book artists have teamed up with comic book retailers Comic uh, Odyssey, Phil Bars, and Planet X to raise money to buy personal protective equipment, that is what PPE stands for, for emergency workers fighting COVID-19 in the Philippines. Uh, working alongside marketing firm Wonderman Thomas Philippines, Comics Comic Odyssey has vowed to offer donors uh, store credit for back issues equaling the amount of their donations to the program. Called hashtag Suits for Heroes. Uh, the fundraiser takes its name and concept from paying tribute to the idea of PPE worn by medical professionals as similar to superhero uniforms. Um, alongside regular fundraiser, numerous Filipino artists have donated art pieces to be auctioned off uh, to raise further funds to buy PPE for Filipino health workers and emergency responders. The artists participating in the fundraiser include Lanil Yu. Uh, Steven Segovia, uh, Keijo Baldesimo, excuse me, uh, Will Potasio, uh, Miko Suyan, and Javi Tolbayo, and colorist uh, Levi Ramirez. Cool. So, cool. So check that out if you're so in- interested. And there is some art on the um, article if you are so inclined. It says the piece will be auctioned off, auctioned, auctioned off in late July. That's actually not me being loopy. That is just me not being able to speak tonight, apparently. Uh, and other stuff. Next. Next up, Boom Studios is going to launch a new Power Rangers series this November entitled simply Mighty Morphin. 
following the end of the current Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ongoing series, which concludes with October's number 55. <clears throat> the new series, one of two planned launches, features an all-new team of rangers, including a mysterious new Green Ranger. It's always a mysterious new Green Ranger. Debuting in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 55, taking on the forces of the diabolical Lord Zed, Mighty Morphin is written by current Mighty Morphin Power Rangers writer Ryan Perriott with art from Marco Renna. All right. Good for somebody, those fans. Yeah, I saw somebody having an issue with the name. I'm sitting here like, you surely should have better thing to do than that. Uh, anyway, boom. Oh, excuse me. Blah, blah, blah. Um, comic book legal defense funds free comic book day anthology in dispute as boom asks for it to be destroyed. Um, so earlier this year, boom studios organized an all ages comic book uh, anthology defend, uh, defend comics when there's a typo in here, uh, for the comic book legal defense fund to publish as a part of free comic books day. In light of recent events, and I'm not entirely sure what recent events they are. Oh, probably the sexual abuse ad, uh, allegations, yep, yep, more than likely. Yep. Regarding the yeah, comic book legal defense fund, however, several uh, creators who have worked on the anthology have told Newsarama that they have asked for their material to be withdrawn from the project or the anthology to be destroyed uh, completely. In fact, I saw a writer reach out to, uh, I believe, Chris Aaron, who wrote this, yep, wrote this article and said, hey, could you take my name out of this article because of some ex- some stuff um, along with it. But, yeah, so apparently Newsarama has learned that Boom has requested the issue be just outright destroyed. Um, you know, the, the comic book legal defense for defense comic has become an annual tradition published each year as a part of Free Comic Books Day with assistance from various publishers and creators. So I guess if you can get a ha- your hands on that, if uh, some, somehow, some way, that's a collector's item, if they end up definitely destroying it. That's a weird way to think about it, I know, but there you go. This is the world we live in. Last but not least... Last but not least, on a show that had so many books on it and a lot of news, IDW announces Roche and ha- O'Halloran horror miniseries, Scarent Hood. When the kids are away, the parents will play, which means an ancient evil is about to sink its claws into everyone. In IDW Publishing's four-issue horror miniseries, Scarent Hood, debuting in October from writer-artist Nick Roche and colorist Chris O'Halloran, a group of parents unearthed a cold case and release a terrifying force into the world while their kids are on a field trip. It's a truly haunting time for all. IDW has provided comic book resources with an exclusive look and, um, on letter pages. How much is it? When is it coming out? I don't have the website, the website open. Um, it says, uh, October, 2020 written by, Nick, yeah, written by written and art by Nick Roche. Okay, but uh, no price. Okay. Yeah, no prices on this uh, on this article. All just, right, just a bunch so of things. It doesn't like sound I like said, Stranger we're Things to talk at about all. Halloween. Yeah, and, and like I said, it doesn't sound like Stranger Things at all. Um, all right, <laughs> folks, I am out of water. This show is over. But before that, we were going to <laughs> do one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? 
Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And we come to the end of another comic book chronicles. Thank you, each and every one of you fine folks and folks at for and non-binary folks and all of the folks for coming out here. Um, we will be back next week. You know, there's nothing to be said about that except for we will. Um, I believe it is another new releases week. Uh, I think we've. I believe so. Believe yeah. so. So we were probably in. I was about to say, but as always, stay in stay in touch with us through social media, because we may find out that there aren't as many books as we think, because things are always fluid in today's world. Absolutely. So yes, and you can find such places such as myself, Ryder Cats. You can find me at Ryder Cats on Twitter. You can also find me at Newsnews Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Um, Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and his umbrella sites therein, and also the Vine Alternative Byte, B-Y-T-E, under comic reviews, no vowels. The Osiris is this ish, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, The Click Nation on Twitter, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, and also theclicknation.com. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, uh, Twitter account. And of course, he's over on Comic Book Resources writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Networks, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, um, Spotify, or this Coastal of the SoundCloud. So, so <laughs> I was doing so well. Cold Slither's podcast, Lord have mercy. Cold Slither podcast pages, SoundCloud page. There you go. Stumbling through adversity, folks. Um, like I said, we'll be back next week. It'll be a fun time. We record every Thursday night on the Click Nation's YouTube channel, 9.30-ish p.m., some, somewhere around that time. You know, ish, as we always say, because it's always a thing. Uh, with that, folks, while I put this shot back where it should have been, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, Agent 70. I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah.